Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. God, let him go, Richie. Let him go, Richie. (laughs) This is like, there's a lot of sad information in this. Yeah. And I also, unfortunately, too, I went on a full, like, I I did this. It's almost old school in a way where Mm. I was up to three o'clock in the morning. On a straight up old school rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, uh, on forums, was deep Mm. into forums. It's It's not old school if you're not at a public library looking at microfiche. Looking at the microfiche. (laughs) I'm talking about old school for me, man. It was good to feel it, though, to get back in the bones, get super paranoid, like when we did the MK Ultra episodes. But the thing is, guess what? What does it mean? It always leads back. To MK Ultra in some way, shape, or form. Every time. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's CIA money, man. CIA fucking money, dude. That funny money, dude, which I make every week. And I yeah. want to say again before we start, thank you to the CIA for sponsoring me and my little CIA. CIA. Yeah, it is the Culinary Institute of America, but that's what we call it on the inside because yeah. I mean the Central Intelligence Agency. Yes, I am an op, but guess what? I only do it for the lulls. Yeah, I wouldn't do a rabbit hole myself. I found a bunch of half eaten carrots. Picky ass rabbits. Funny. Funny stuff. <laughs> Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. Ben hanging out with Henry and Marcus. Hi, hi. Marcus, something you'd like to say? I do. I want to ask Henry, my God, are you an actual op or are you just saying that you're an op to throw us off the trail? Or is this a double blind where you're an op, but you're saying you're not an op, but you're making a joke that you're an op, but you're really actually an op? Quadruple op. Questions. <laughs> Questions are being asked. How, can someone ask the ocean a question? <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Think about this. If we are all just mysterious entities floating through a polygon universe in which we are just representations of energies as our our brains, our operating systems that manage to sort of put together reality. What are what is even a question? Uh What is even Mm -hmm. objective fact? You know what I'd ask the ocean? Gotta get a tell. Um, all <laughs> right, everyone. Okay, Here wow, we I go. Mean, this is a, this is not going to be a struggle. Hey, uh, could I get a tell? <laughs> You made me all wet now. Could I get a towel? <laughs> all right. He couldn't have one. He couldn't have one if wanted to. Yeah, I went down a rabbit hole. A bunch of fucking half-eaten carrots, picky-ass oh, rabbits. God. Um, all right, everyone. Oh, man. We, this, are, we are supposed to be professional. We have been doing this no, for so long. Professional Marcus has nothing 40. to do with how good we are at content. Professionally means that we it's monetized. <laughs> 
So there you go. I have now officially done this show for the entirety of my 30s. Woo! Marcus wow. is 40 years old, and what a great episode. Thank you. To honor his 40 years, probably going back to past trauma that all of us that I know our listeners have experienced. So thank you so much for everyone who's listened to this series. And I know uh, for many of you, it's brought up some difficult feelings, but we'll get through this together and beat these motherfuckers. All right, we're on the Troubled Teen Industry, part three, Joe Ritchie and the murder of Martha Moxley. Now, the Troubled Teen Industry is obviously made up of cruel institutions that use violence and humiliation in a vain attempt to set teens on a path that's acceptable to their lazy and or gullible parents. Mm. But that begs the question as to what type of person finds these methods to be not only sustainable, but essential. Assholes. <laughs> there you go. Would you rather have lazy parents or parents who are so far up your ass they could pick your nose from the inside? Because I watched South Park, Kenny's parents, horrible, but he got to do whatever he wants. Yeah. But then Butter's parents up his butthole, and he's deeply traumatized. <laughs> I feel like we could search for a middle. Uh, I feel like there's a, there's a way to maybe not do either of those. Go with a Stan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Randy. Yeah, Randy. Oh, Randy's yeah. fine. Well, Randy's a sexual pervert who looks at animal porn. But he, again, <laughs> that's on his time. True, true. And furthermore, since most of these schools are only loosely based on therapy programs originally intended for adults, stuff like Synanon, it begs the question as to what kind of person fills in the blanks with straight jackets, solitary confinement, and electric sauce. An asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, in some cases, these people were nothing more than grifters and copycats, the type who see a new regulation-free industry blossoming, and therefore they decide to throw their hat in the ring with no previous experience. Mm. Kind of like how we mess with humans' minds, for, the U.S. government did for a period of time in the 1950s, and they found all these kind of applicable ways to make money off of it truly and then mm -hmm. continue it going. It seems that that's a really, like, uh, attractive thing, this idea of, like, look, oh, we're getting into the basement of a business that's all about fucking with human brains. And it is interesting to see a bunch of guys just go like, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, it's like they're finally given permission. You know, it's like it's like people who really do look at humans as robots. They look at other people as not human. They're the only human that exists in this world. And yeah. so finally you have an actual job in which you can, your entire job is to treat people like robots. Yeah, well, dude, I watched one of those documentaries called Human Resources, which was one of those like old school it's an old school conspiracy head video that is on the left side versus the right side. Mm -hmm. And so you just get real deep into how Taylorism, like making scientific management, led to all of this stuff. It is interesting, but it's a lot of like, well, technically that's business, but also it's like profoundly cruel in the way they mm -hmm. look at people as like sort of moving autonomous parts. And then they just figure out how to do that again and again and again. Yeah. Sounds like a half-eaten carrot to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, for an example of a grifter, look no further than the aforementioned Gail Palmer, who's off wilderness program Summit Quest resulted in a tragic and needless death by dehydration mm. just two months after Gail launched the venture. But when it comes to Alon, the cruelest of these schools, which we went into in depth in episode one, it took a special mix of egomania, sociopathy, narcissism, neglect, drug abuse, and sadism to create their proverbial 
electric sauce. It's Ooh. that poo-poo shoot. I don't like <laughs> that at all. I'm talking, of course, about the Alone School's co-founder, Joe Ritchie. I am not a criminal. I'm not a mobster. I'm not anything of in this line. I, 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 I'm just simply, uh, I'm a principal. I'm an extreme principal. Yeah. I hate to I hate to stereotype, but you sound like a criminal and a mobster. No. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> no. You mean to say there's some kind of like criminal accent okay, here that you one go. can have? You racist? No, I'm not. It's more of, I, it's Yeah, I wear jack suits. Yeah. And yeah, I got this chain, right? Right? Yeah. And I drive a Rolls Royce, but I deal in the business of screaming children. So you'd be like, oh, he must be a criminal. But no, I'm running for governor. Well, that wouldn't necessarily stop you from being a criminal. Criminals? No, never politicians. No, no, that wouldn't work out. How do you say mozzarella? Mozzarella. Okay. You, you might be a criminal. Well, Joe Ritchie was a native of Port Chester, New York, located just north of New York City. Nice. Raised by his maternal grandparents, Joe's father was an alcoholic nicknamed Bamboo because he could (laughs) bounce back from any punch. And he was locally known as the kingpin of bar fights. I certainly Uh, wish he was known as the kingpin of good fathers. Yeah, that would have been nice. Maybe you wouldn't be such a criminal. I don't know, honestly. I think it might just be in my very nature. Yeah, you got some chicken parm on your face there. Mm. <laughs> I'm saving that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as far as little Joe's nickname went, he was called Joe Rich because he was tough, sharp, and able to get himself out of any sticky situation, Mm. which is a skill that would serve him well later in life. Additionally, Joe Ritchie was a vindictive little fuck, and if you ever crossed him, he'd never let you forget it. That would also serve him for the rest of his life. Great. uh, That is a common trait amongst cult leaders, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, when Joe was 15, in the year 1961, he got into a car accident with three friends and got thrown from the vehicle. He spent months in the hospital learning to walk again, but after Joe recovered, he allegedly self-medicated with heroin. I mean, Mm. that's a real cool way to do it. It's very jazz. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's see if he learned how to play uh, any musical instruments. Also, I think the only cult leader that actually would forgive is Charles Manson. I feel like he let a lot of stuff slide, but the things he didn't were like a big deal. It's because he didn't. Have an eye for detail. Right. Well, pretty soon, Joe Ritchie was sent to a residential treatment facility for persons in need of supervision. It's pretty much an early version of a troubled teen facility. Welcome to peepholes. Now, what you'll see here <laughs> yeah, is right every here. single painting. Those are not eyes. <laughs> not a one. They'll be not looking a, at you. I purposely, when I went to art school to make art, to put on the hallways of this incredibly restrictive peepholes. teaching environment, I just said peepholes. I don't even know how to draw a pupil. I've been the janitor of peepholes for 15 years and I have never seen so much come. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joe spent two years in this facility and he returned to high school in 1963. But since Joe was two years older than everyone... He dropped out in 1966 at the age of 21. <laughs> Dropping out of high school at 21 is like renouncing your citizenship to Atlantis. He's <laughs> <laughs> like that quarterback who just won the championship for Georgia. He's like 48, and he's, he's just like, like beating all these kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, still supposedly struggling with heroin addiction, Richie reluctantly entered a residential drug and alcohol program called Daytop Village in Manhattan after he got caught robbing a mail truck. That's where you go with kick a drug habit 1970s Manhattan oh yeah man yeah that's good maybe Oklahoma would have been better (laughs) 
Well, interestingly, Daytop was founded by a Synanon graduate named Ron Boncato. Man, Synanon is just everywhere. That's why we covered mm. it last week, because you really see just how it really spread and how the pain kept spreading. Yeah. And I think this is probably, I don't know this for certain, but it seems like this is probably when Joe Ritchie first learned about the game. Mm -hmm. And of course, he would use that uh, to great harm so later without, on at Elan. Without Synanon, none of this stuff happens. Or uh, at least it happens differently. It well, happens differently. It's not, I would say without Synanon, it's not as psychologically traumatizing. Mm -hmm. But, the, you know, boot camps and shit like that. Sure. Torture has been used as a motivator for better behavior since the beginning of time. There Doesn't work on the Iranian soccer team. No. Whoa, that's a dig. They lost. That's sad. <laughs> uh, no, there was a couple. Of, there's a guy named Dr. Har Arnold Hutschnecker mm -hmm. that was, the, he worked under the Nixon administration, and he literally wanted to create what he called, it's not a concentration camp, but it was like a <laughs> place where mm -hmm. a bunch of kids could concentrate, right? They could be in this place all in one yeah. and be forced to do with a bunch of, like, and basically it was a way for them to handle troubled kids. And that was floated to Richard Nixon. Okay. And he, in his wisdom, said no mm -hmm. right. for a short period of in time. But it did, it did seem to not die there. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so this shit's been around for a long time. Yeah. And behaviorism, that's the other thing I learned from human You just talk about the BF. Yeah, the, it's much, that's a whole different thing. Trying yeah. to create a utopia of just machine people has been a th thing that we, we've been honestly, like, hoping for and working for for a long time. Half-eaten carrots. <laughs> well, additionally, Daytop Village, that was where Nancy Reagan was first made aware mm -hmm. of the youth drug epidemic mm -hmm. in the 80s. Her visit to Daytop Village is widely credited to be the genesis of the Just Say No program. That's great. Absolutely. That's just what Ronald Reagan used to say when she used to slip off them peenies. Oh, I think Ronnie <laughs> said, yeah, she was quite attractive back in the day. Nancy Reagan. Oh, yeah. Huh. You know, they used to call her like Golden Throat or something. She phoned <laughs> all the guys in Hollywood. He's been he's been lonely since Vegas. <laughs> no, this is true. Yeah. Golden Throat, huh? Something like that. I always just saw her as a skeleton. No, yeah. she was so hot back in the day. I'll do some research talk. No, okay. <laughs> just yeah. Nancy talk. Reagan. I'm going to go down hot. a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I don't know why, but suddenly in my mind, I just thought like, would I rather sleep with Nancy Reagan or Angela Lansbury? And I think Angela Lansbury. Because of all the voices. Brother, you are just. <laughs> so fucking out of your element right now. That's young Nancy, dude. Okay, yeah, Look she's at her cute. there. Yeah. She's fine. Yeah, she's She's right. beyond fine. <laughs> she was our president for like a year. She was, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But concerning Joe Ritchie, a judge gave him the option of either doing seven years in a state penitentiary for robbing the mail truck hmm. or entering a drug rehab. So Joe took the drug rehab. Yeah. I, I can't wait for that option. <laughs> Absolutely. However, some of Joe's relatives say that Joe actually never had a heroin problem, but heroin always made a nice excuse when he needed to get out of a legal jam. There's a little bit of that, I believe, because I think that Joe Ritchie, as you'll see, is mm. nothing but a complete and total, perfectly bred opportunist. Yeah. So he knows how to yeah. make situations work for him. So I think that he started off truly with the criminal's mind, which is a lot of times in a mindset that is uh, similar in many ways, you'd view it as a quote unquote businessman's mind, yes. right? Because he knows how to flip things. Legalize to, it. He knows how to make yeah. things that are, would be detriment to others. He sees them as an opportunity. I'm going to buy in low on myself. <laughs> and that like when he goes in something like yeah. he understands, he's like, oh, I don't have to go to jail. I can just like say, I'm like, oh God, oh, I'm so sick. I'm so sick. <laughs> and then you could go to like, oh, I'm just going to this fucking, it's called a village. 
Look, oh, this is incredible. It'll be a fountain. Maybe it'll be like a malt shop. I could go down there and get some sundries. I can go get some. I can go get an ornament, a Christmas ornament, and bring it home. It'll be like, oh, how thoughtful. All you got to do is pay off a local congressman, and then boom, whatever you're doing illegal, it's made legal, much like Dana White's new venture, slap fighting. I watched this on TNT yesterday. It is going to lead to death. Oh, no. Have you seen, You've never watched professional slapping? It's bread. Now it's in Nevada. It's sanctioned. Yeah, dude. You, Sanctioned. You've never seen professional this guy slapping? This was bleeding from his fucking ear, and they're like, up. oh, what a great game it was. But, I was like, that was about to die. I mean, you remember the other game that's the piece of twine around the ears, and you hold fun. the ears, and you have to pull it back and forth, and whoever fucking folds first is the ultimate pussy? That's still legal. I mean, me and my buddies used to slap fight in college. That was one of the things that we would do is like at parties yeah. is that you would just slap someone when they weren't looking, and Ooh, then, yeah. of course, then the game was on, and then they slapped you when mm-hmm. you weren't looking, and it just got progressively harder and harder as everyone got drunker and, and drunker. And zero adverse effect on you. No, you're not scared. <laughs> no. I hung out with the girls. Shut up. No, you didn't. <laughs> I hung out with the girls. I there were girls. There's hair. a difference between hanging out with girls and hanging around girls. <laughs> I was in the room with women. <laughs> yeah, there were girls hanging out when we were doing slap fights too. It was a party. Yeah, it's but hot. the whole time they'd be like, Ugh, this man. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were getting turned uh, on by. These men are slapping each other. <laughs> no, while Joe was attending Daytop Village, he met and began dating his first wife, Sherry Benton. Which disagrees immediately because we talked about you did a little bit last week where you said in jest that AA was nothing but fat old divorced men in a lonely room. Just actually, the guys that I know that have been in it. Yeah, but yeah. I just got a lot of feedback from that of people being like, I'm a hot woman and I was an AA and all I did was get fucked. And then I got a lot of that. <laughs> like, you'd be surprised who's around. It'd be like, you're like, it's called 13 stepping. Uh. I don't. <laughs> well, it seems like they need to go to another meeting then for sexual... Prowess. They know it's too sexual. I think it's nice. Well, one day, Richie showed up at the travel agency where Sherry worked, and he announced that he was done with Daytop because they oh. wouldn't let him graduate. They wouldn't let him. <laughs> I'm too. They hey, all the whole time. I was just like, oh, hey, hey. Just like they kept asking me, would you please teach here? And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's see. I got other options. I got, I, I gotta go. I gotta go think all the. I gotta, I got other situations. I gotta suss out. Absolutely, like do a bunch of heroin in order to get off of. What, charges of robbery? Yeah. He robbed a mail truck like he's fucking Jesse James. That's mm-hmm. just incredible. It was a time where it's like, yeah, I did commit an act of robbery, but I'm also doing this other illegal thing. So why don't we just <laughs> let me off? <laughs> it worked. I know. Well, soon after he left Daytop Village, Joe got engaged to Sherry. And by December of 1969, both Sherry and Joe, they were 24 years old and married. Oh. And Joe had somehow managed to snake his way into a job at a state facility in Connecticut called Drug Addicts Rehabilitation Through Educational Community. Rolls off the tongue. DARTEC, for D-A-R-T-E-C. sure. DARTEC. Oh, God. You got to come up with the acronym first, fill in the words after. <laughs> Sometimes it's difficult. It is. Well, I mean, DARE. Yeah. The, the, what does it stand for, actually? Drugs, Drugs after are radical exceptional. Uh, yeah. Desert. <laughs> Doug, Drugs are, are really exceptional. exceptional. Yeah. D- uh, <laughs> Dung after renal expulsion. That, that you know that firsthand. That's medical. <laughs> First butt. <laughs> well, taking a cue from Synanon's model, Dartek adopted the model of using former addicts to counsel patients. But Dartek at least had the good sense to pair those former addicts with professionals. It was a real rehab program. Very okay. much so. Specifically, the program was headed by a psychiatrist named Dr. Donald Pett. <sighs> Will do. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> God, he worked alongside. There was a dentist named Dr. William Groom. Uh, don't take the kids. No, it doesn't sound like it. Now, Dr. Pet seemed to be on the up and up, combining professional counseling techniques with the experiences of recovering addicts. It grounded the treatment in some sense of reality. You could talk to them on their level. I bet you dogs would love to go to him. The Dr. Pet. <laughs> yeah, because his name is Dr. Dr. Pet. Puffin, Puffin would probably be like, I just love Dr. Pet. But he doesn't really, <laughs> Puffin doesn't really like to engage with strangers. No, but I do like Dr. Pet because he pets me. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that everyone at DarTech was credible because Joe Ritchie worked there. Yeah. Mm. Through staff at DarTech, Joe was introduced to another unscrupulous character with some highly interesting connections. Mm. His name was Dr. Gerald Davidson. Although information on Dr. Davidson is scant at best, and even the most thorough researchers have had a hard time digging into his past at all. I have been looking huh. into him because that this was the rabbit hole I had entered in because we talked about this as we were we did our production call. And, you know, we wanted to do the story of Joe Ritchie. And then as we went through it, we're like, well, but th there's another the guy that the, uh, the second half of this team is Dr. Gerald Davidson. Gerald okay. Davidson is the co-founder of the Elon School. Right. But no one knows anything about him. Very I, little about him. I mean this. It is almost suspicious in the level at which he is not present anywhere on the Internet. And I huh. found a bunch of essentially like as in suspicious forums. as if the CIA did a little scrub job. Well, he had a lot of weird connections. He definitely went and served on the board of the Harvard School of Medicine around the same exact time. A bunch of other fucking horrible assholes did. Mm. He was probably taught by B.F. Skinner. He also had this guy named uh, Matthew Israel, who is one of the single most. We should do a whole episode on him. Yeah. He is literally one of the single most evil people I have ever heard of. He Wait. started a thing called the Judge Wrote. Educational Center, where children are, they basically electroshock children into uh, changing their, changing them. And then the, it's a lot of like autistic kids and shit like that. Oh. And it is brutal. It's still, yeah. uh, I want to say it's open until they've tried to close that one four times. Um, and I believe it is still it. open. No, it's, they, they keep trying to close it. They keep well, trying to close it. Turn the lock. It is a bit <laughs> difficult. It's closed. It makes a lot of people money, though. Oh, I see. So uh, you're yeah. telling me Harvard, the place financed by Jeffrey Epstein that produced Alan Dershowitz, uh, also, uh, might have same, some corrupt uh, um, foundations? Same years that Ted Kaczynski went for the uh, various, uh, whatever the, the tests he was taking during yeah, the, the, the MK Ultra the, years. The right? tests that destroyed him, the, you know, yeah. that weren't necessarily related to MK Ultra, but it's the, all that same, like, behavioral uh, type of experimentation. Because that's the thing, is that it's not necessarily that this guy was involved in MK Ultra, but what we can say yeah. a lot I, of his buddies were. Well, that's the thing. What I think we can say mm. for certain, it's you know what we also said in the MK Ultra series. They all went to the same parties. Like okay. this guy is going to the same parties as the guys doing the MK Ultra experiments. They're all talking about it. They're all saying what they're doing. Uh, and that's the thing is that a lot of the MK Ultra guys also didn't even know they were being funded by the CIA. Yes. Right. But there's all there was this uh, kind of revolution of behavioral science way back in the fifties, and Gerald Davis. Davidson was one of those people. He even wrote it. It would be interesting punch bowl conversation. That's uh, for certain. I guess a watch the punch uh, because <laughs> well. you are going to be become a Manchurian candidate Whoa. in a second, but it's going to be a failed one. It's mostly going to be getting pizza for Dr. Davidson. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> but th these guys, he wrote all this article, like one of the like little, because people were looking for like anything that you could hang your hat on about him. And he did write like, because what they say was a publisher parish is what they say, the yeah. Harvard School of Medicine. So the, everyone's like, well, if he, were, he was with Harvard, he would have published. 
published, but he did publish several articles. And one was basically saying, and I might be getting this wrong, but it does seem to basically say that a lot of when people come in with what he called quote unquote functional body complaints, which we now call like something like chronic fatigue syndrome mm. or pain. And he basically said all of that is depression and that we can fix you and that you'll stop complaining about physical maladies once we fix your mental problems. Let me guess how they fixed it. Electroshock therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, behavior modification. So whoever this motherfucker is, whoever Gerald Davidson is, because he died in 91. So Mm. we think that maybe it was like before, because as we're going to get into the end of this episode, the Internet's what stopped all this shit. Mm. So there's important. These guys that kind of slipped through the cracks. But this guy is shit. It's just like he is so shady. And so as you go deeper into the topic, you start to see more and more people being like, was the Elan school some form of behavioral science experiment that we were all a part of? Like, and the big question is, is the big old fun, which we learned about the MK Ultra mm-hmm. is, is that it's more questions than not. You're going to be walking through a labyrinth of mirrors for a really long time trying to figure it out because mm-hmm. they well, got I'm rid n- of a lot I'm of these s- records. I am sorry. It sounds like you're a man on the precipice of divorce. I, uh, well, that's <laughs> right. I literally I joked know. with Natalie. I was like, I was yes. watching that documentary. I was doing something else. And I was just like, you know. All that keeps me from the edge is the fact that you love me. And she looked at me and she did the thing. She's like, I love you. And I was just like, just know every single time I'm in one of these places, just show me your boobies. Because that'll bring me back in. Like, just she remind told me. Like, you to show you her boobies. I asked to show, see boobies. <laughs> Fantastic. And she obliged. That's fantastic. It's Steve. It It pulls me back from the abyss. Yeah, I can tell. It's definitely working. No, you just got to get into this shit because it's just just wild. You can't, if you got anything on him, side stories, LPOTL, the gmail.com, send them to me. Please do. And and Mm -hmm. I think at the very least, or maybe even at the very most, uh, you could possibly say that perhaps the Elon School, even though it was founded long after uh, most of the MK Ultra experiments were over, you could possibly say that the Elon School was started as some sort of behavioral modification experiment, or at least a a data gathering center. That's deep into conspiracy theory territory, but it tracks because we see how that's their MO. Yeah, I don't know know if it's that. It's really that deep. You know, it could have been something it could have been started and then yeah. it was eventually just abandoned like the cia abandoned. i mean hell the cia infiltrate provably infiltrates governments and then abandons them to complete and total chaos job horribly done let's go let's go <laughs> good work everybody copters out all yeah. right so let the the junta's rising and is getting to the capitol building yeah. well I, I think i hear the helicopter <laughs> well you gotta go to that pizza hut and so of course after these things are abandoned by the cia the, you know of course they've left it in a to- state of total chaos it just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And that's possibly why there's never been any real government investigation into the Elon um, schools. Also, it's because they might look back and see well, some government connection way back in the beginning. And then you start following the money. Yes. The people like the DuPonts that actually started the seed program. There was like a, all of this shit. I got let's, uh, uh, this let's is just, where I'm at. We just stuff. jump out of the hole. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump out of the hole. Let's get back I to thought, Earth. I thought the hole's where all the fucking carrots are, bro. Yeah, Happy you said a carrots. bunch of shit about carrots and I'm just covered in shit. You I'm are? just covered in you shit. Are? I'm panicking. You know what we're going to do? Oh, I can't believe our friend's dead. Bury him. Bury him. Bury him. <laughs> so we're going to bury it? Yep. And okay. let's just, now we're on solid ground again. Solid ground. Oh, wow. Solid ground. Oh, wow. You're back. For a second there, I felt like. You're back. Huh, I felt like I was in a mirror land. Yeah, I felt it. I actually <laughs> yeah. felt that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right from your grave. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. <laughs> That was your dog saying thank you for BarkBox. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark.
So the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay! Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively. But BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And oh, they love their life and they love the they love what BarkBox brings. Because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to barkbox.com slash L-E-F-T. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why, as I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Now, from DarTech, Richie moved to a drug counseling center called Survival Inc., which was a group home for opiate-addicted men that doubled as a marriage counseling service for drug addicts. Cool. Wait, they're married? The, I mean, some drug addicts are married, yeah. Yeah, it's honestly, anytime what? you get one guy, they throw another, like, you know, it's like when you go to a hotel, and somebody you're like, oh, for 15 bucks, We'll put water in the room. You know what I mean? Like you do something yeah. like that where you just add do a little add on. Little I see. So marriage therapy. That's nice. Yeah, it is actually a good idea. You know, like All have right. it, you know, someone goes in a, in a rehab and you bring the, the spouse in every once in a while. Just say, like, hey, let's work through this thing. Okay. They help to understand each other. All right. Good. But as it would happen again and again, controversy followed Joe Ritchie when three staff members he brought from DarTech were fired for personal drug use. Mm. Uh, also, it kind of talks about it. It is interesting because a lot of times uh, those uh, addictive relationships are kind of circular, right? Because you you mm. are both you were both addicted to the drugs, and quite a lot of times is that you find that your relationship's kind of like empty when you're both not high. Yeah, and then you like that was what brought you together, and now yeah. you have to figure out. Can we love? Probably, probably cooking? not. Yeah, probably not. Different. Probably just need to get a divorce at that point. <laughs> at that point, yeah. If, yeah. if you need drugs to be together, yeah. then yeah, you need to get someone else who you can hang out with when you don't sober, need drugs. Yeah. Yeah, sober, yeah. yeah. Well, you guys need your antipsychotics to be among society. I don't take antipsychotics. I'll take a psych. I'll take a fucking psychotic. <laughs> <laughs>
Take one right now. I feel like I've taken like eight since you've been talking. Yeah, I know. I honestly, I am upset by myself. Okay. I don't take antipsychotics anymore. Okay. Okay. See? We are above ground now, guys. <laughs> we, are, we are good. Flowers grow. You don't even wake wow. up. Socialism is not even what they call it over there. Again? All right, it's different. Again? That is what liberalism has oh. used to call what we call the dictatorship person over there. Look We've at the grass growing on the ground. Oh, wow, wow. Wow. Well, after those friends were fired, Richie, his wife, and Dr. Gerald Davidson decided to open their own treatment facility, which oh. would evolve into the Elon School. Uh-oh. Since the regulations for mental health were a little too restrictive in New York, Connecticut, and Massachusetts for the kind of, quote-unquote, radical therapy that mm. Joe and Dr. Davidson wanted to do. Yeah, they, they just flipped to page eight, and they're like, no anal? <laughs> well, then how the hell are we going to treat these kids? It's a no-gay policy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, after that, they decided to open their facility in Maine, where none of those pesky regulations would get in the way. Ah, the freedom of skeleton land. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful place. But when it came to who did what, it's important to remember that Dr. Gerald Davidson was not in any way involved in the day-to-day operations at Elan. Hmm. Instead, Davidson was more of a scooper of students who stayed in Massachusetts and used his contacts to both develop the facility from afar and find some funnels for kids. He, that, that's called human trafficking, isn't it? No, not he's when a, everyone He's a scooper. It's he's scooper. a scooper. It's so scoopers. no officer, I'm not a human trafficker, I'm a I'm scooper. I'm a scooper. scooper. And like, as long as you get one an ice cream scoop, right, the size of a person, and show it to <laughs> a government scoop them. Yeah. officer, yeah, they let you go. Okay. Uh, he, he might have dipped a little bit of a toe in some form of the operations, but re- truly, he, for all of the statements was is that he would was, he was never seen. It's very he was strange, Penguin's man. henchman when he wanted to go collect the Firstborn of Gotham. He yes. was that guy, right? Uh, well, he was the guy that made it all legit Ugh, because yeah. he was the quote unquote doctor. So he made it all feel like a medical, this is a whole medical process sure. that we're doing here. If we're going for Batman villains here, sure. villains here he's the Rajal Ghoul. Oh. He's the man pulling the strings. He's the man in the background. Yeah. Also, he knew that if he could I convince see. a bunch of high profile Harvard connected families to send their disruptive children to his school, it would help him get other more high profile customers as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And it could also be that Davidson had entirely different motives for running and opening the school. It could MK be MK Ultra Data Aggregation. Okay. Well, it okay. could be it could be very quickly that he sat back and just got reports. And that also allowed him to keep his distance from whatever happened there. He would okay. always have plausible deniability. I don't ever go there. I didn't know what this guy was doing. So he could set Joe Ritchie on fire and walk away scot-free. Gotcha. Now, at first, Gerald Davidson publicly had lofty goals for the Elan School, and it was by no means opened or operated in secrecy. After its grand opening in 1971, Davidson, possibly referring to groups like Synanon, he said that therapeutic communities largely run by ex-addicts, they had become extremely sanctimonious, mm. like all converted heathens become. Well, that's the idea. It's immediately, you, you hate on the ones before you, yeah. right? Because you're the new kids on the block, so you're like, oh, yeah. Synanon, those are the old guys, yeah. right? Yeah, they're not cool anymore. They're the establishment. So he didn't care about the technique. He was just like, they're all cocky with their progress. Well, it's yeah. because That's he, what he was <laughs> upset about. It's because Chuck, Chuck went full cult leader. Yeah. Right. So he's just like, right. we're not like that. He's tastefully distant. 
Yeah. Well, this is before Chuck Diedrich went full cult leader. But this he, is, he saw it. He smelt it. But he was it, yeah. he's the uncola. He's the uncult. Yeah, yes. he's the uncult. Yes. Well, he derisively said that these other places, they shave patients' heads. Oh, wow. They make them wear diapers. I, how, who could? They hang degrading signs around their necks. I Some only these do these things that. are good. I only do that if I ask for it. Yeah. Absolutely. And he said, the or Alon- if you or if you want to get a discount at Dick's Last Resort. Yes. Ah. And he said the Alon School. They don't do this stuff. They would never do this stuff. Okay. But as we know, Alon School used all of those techniques and much, much worse. It's almost like he was telling us what they were going to do. <laughs> mm. Now, at the same time that Davidson was giving his interviews, Richie was also promoting this more positive approach, saying in a local news report when the school opened that Alon would be a drug treatment center that instilled self-esteem, self-reliance, and a capacity to love in the individuals they treated. It's all very synonymous. Very synonymous. Sounds good to me so far. Yeah. Well, he he said they tailored the program to fit the individual, not the individual to fit the program, which was, of course, the exact opposite of the Elon School's philosophy. Again, he's saying fake things, saying the opposite. Right? Yeah. Does sound good. Well, I mean, that was actually, I think that was, I mean, I mean, a little respect, respect is due. It's one of the geniuses of Joe Ritchie and uh, Davidson, where they went full PR all the time. Oh, they yeah, just said it. The, Told, told, told. Like, they always talked to the press. They never hid yeah. what they were doing. They were in all of the fucking, uh, they were talking heads. Yeah. And all of the news coverage of it. There was, like, the Children of Darkness, the Child's Own Good. Those, all of those specials, like, they appeared it. And, like, Gerald Davidson looks like a fucking Santa Claus type character. I mean, he doesn't have a beard, but he's, like, kind, well, friendly, just being like, these kids just need a loving, gentle hand. Well, that is an ironic way to hide. If you just blanket yourself all over the place, uh, then, of course, people will just kind of let you get away with certain things. It's a very bizarre, bizarre human. Yeah, yeah. Very bizarre human uh, condition there. Now, in the very beginning, when the Elan School was supposed to be just a drug treatment center for teens, there very well may have been some intention to do something more positive, although that possibility is very slim. Mm. See, when Richie and his wife Sherry opened the first Elan School site at a former summer camp in Naples, Maine. Oh, you love the pizza in Naples, Maine. <laughs> it's covered in mollusks. Honestly, that could be yeah. good. That could be good. Just shell and all. Be good. Oh, well, not the shell. Mm-hmm. Well, it soon became clear that Richie's goal was money. In the early days, when Alon was struggling, Richie spoke constantly to employees about how they were going to make their first $100,000. Becoming rich was an obsession. Hey, come over here. Look, you see how this kid's crying? Look at that. It's five cents. That's five Each one cents? of these tears is five cents. Look five cents. Tears. Boom, boom, boom. Make your money right there. Wow, that's awesome. Well, this former employee said that to Richie, money represented power. It does. And it exuded the appearance that he was someone important who would be accepted and respected by everyone around him, which was actually much more important to Joe Richie than anything else. Being respected by others. Yes, being well, respected and being accepted. He wanted to be Ugh. the guy. Like yeah. they talk, he wanted to be this kind of like a go-to, like people would look at him. He wanted to be president. Yeah. Nightmare idea. Pretty soon, though, Richie and Davidson figured out that the real money was not in drug rehabilitation for everyone, but in specifically the troubled teens of wealthy families. Mm. And those wealthy families were soon paying $1,200 a month for treatment. Let me just see, kid. All right, come here, come here, kid. I mean, obviously, you, you, you're doing drugs. It's yeah. terrible. Like, you I stole actually a don't truck. do dr- No, I don't do you any You stole a truck. No, none no. of that. No, the I just I told am. my dad I didn't want him to run as a senator again because he's a Republican oh. asshole, and I just want him to be home. And, oh, you know, yeah, and, something like that. That's, yeah. that's real stupid, kid. Well, stupid I just wanted to be, I just want him to be my dad. Uh, you know, not like Connecticut senator. Let me check your wallet. Let me open this up. All right, so this is a, oh, so you got a credit card. You're 17? Yeah, yeah, We're going to get you in here. Yeah, we absolutely. We can send you up. Can we get a body bag? Dang it. 
Well, see, Davidson and Ritchie, they had a perfect double-team grift going, where Davidson, the reputable psychiatrist, he would recommend the Elan School to wealthy families. It's just a soft just suggestion. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Sounds well, like the opioid epidemic for your brain. Yeah. It does. And then Ritchie would make the sales pitch, offering Elan's private plane to pick up wealthy, troubled teens in a method appropriate for their station. Yeah, I will say this. Out of all the... Um, image hits that have been taken over the past decade. Private planes have really gotten a hit. They really have. When I was growing up, it's like, private planes, amazing. And now I'm just like, I don't think I want to go on that. <laughs> no. Because God knows what you're going to have to do or see. Oh, yeah. I really feel like it's good that the TSA is there for only the fact yes. that I'm afraid of what happens inside of private planes. <laughs> oh my God. I don't I, know what happens in there. I know sometimes you drink champagne. Sometimes. And then sometimes, though, I think that you all have to watch somebody kill a girl. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, you know, that's why it's like, what's the name of your plane? It's called the air deposition. <laughs> so if you get on it, do you like to sit for like 10 hours in New York City at like a courthouse? You're going to be doing that. Just so you know. Free champagne. Well, in other words, Elon had credentials on one end and charisma on the other. And before they knew it, the Elon School was making enough money where they were able to open a second facility in Waterford, Maine. However, in January of 1974, a mysterious fire destroyed a rented facility in Sebago, which earned, or Sebago, Sebago, whichever one you want. Whatever you want to go with, sure. Yeah. yeah. That earned the Elon School a tidy sum in the form of an insurance payment. There's no way. That this was done purposefully yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Oh, I'm sorry, I choked yeah. on a, I like a full diamond just came out of the back <laughs> of my mouth. No, there's no way I would ever do something like that because, right. as everyone knows, I hate being hot. Yeah, your tie is a little charred, Mr. Ritchie. Uh, oh, I was barbecuing. Oh, you were barbecuing. Yeah, I was barbecuing. Yeah. I know it's February, but I yeah. love being outside when it's okay. bad. Your hair is all singed. Yeah, it must yeah, yeah. That's a new type of haircut. It's oh, called, new haircut. I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was the turning point for Elon because Ritchie and Davidson could then afford to open a permanent facility in Poland Spring. Is that where the water comes from? Yeah. Oh. I bet you it is. It is. Yeah, wow. fresh. If you read the fine print, it's like fresh main water. It ain't from fucking Poland at all. But yeah. then I heard a lot of it's just tap water put in a bottle. Yeah. It mostly is. And I think yeah. Nestle owns it now, too. So and they're going to they're gonna destroy the world. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I actually have been having these really weird tumors. I've been drinking Flint uh, water. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's really cheap. Five cents. Five cents every 12 ounces. I, I put it in my car, honestly. It's really been incredible. It's, it's so cheap. That's a joke about infrastructure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. No problem. Lead pipe. Lead pipes. That's right. Save the people. Help the people. Fuck Nestle. That's right. Wow. Well, subsequently, make Joe- your own water. Fucking spit into somebody's mouth. Can I get through this fucking <laughs> sentence? I do like his idea. Yep. Recycled water. Recycled water. That's piss. All right. <laughs> no, no, we're done. Now we're done. Now we're done. No, we're done. Okay. Subsequently, Joe Ritchie became a millionaire. Now, once Elon had a permanent facility, states from all over the country began referring troubled teens to the school through Gerald Davidson's network of colleagues. Because mm. Gerald Davidson can call up people in Illinois, California, Oregon, wherever, say, hey, I got this thing going on. Why don't you send kids here? And they would, of course, say yes, because everyone, I would imagine, Mm. everyone's getting kickbacks. And all these motherfuckers are just in suits, walking down the street. Everyone's Mm -hmm. like, what respectable Americans. Bain Financial also dropped a bunch of money into the troubled teen industry. Mitt Romney himself made a lot of money specifically off of these troubled teen industry shows. Yeah, I do like that they named themselves after a supervillain. Yeah. (laughs) Very accurate. Utah is one of the number one uh, places, states in America for troubled teen facilities. I think Utah is actually number one. You know the room for activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful, but... 
Well, while Richie was the day-to-day guy, Davidson was the real brains of the operation when it came to funneling students into the system. As we said, Davidson had powerful contacts at both Harvard and Massachusetts General Hospital, and he even had enough clout to successfully lobby congressmen in Washington, D.C. to extend insurance coverage to facilities like Elan. This was previously not the case, and this change greatly expanded the troubled teen industry. So, like, you couldn't get, like, cancer treatment, but, like, if you're, like— If, if you're, you're paddling kids in an yeah. institutional manner, you got money, buddy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, if you're—yeah, you can't get cancer treatment, but if your son smokes a joint, then, yeah, they'll pay right. for that. I think my son might be gay. The other day he said the word dude, <laughs> and I just don't know. <laughs> but when it came to who controlled the school— It was entirely Joe Ritchie's responsibility, which is, of course, the complete opposite of what the Division of Labor should have been. Now, according to former employees, Joe, through a steady campaign of fear and intimidation, he became a sort of cult figure to the employees and students who bought into the program. According to the last stop, they basically said that when he came in, it felt like a celebrity was there. Yeah, he'd show up in his Rolls Royce and these crazy, like, he'd like have these crazy suits on and shit, and he would do like, but he'd play it real classic. Like, Mm -hmm. not only was he the kindest guy you ever met at the Elon school, but then he also did the general meetings harder than everybody. He was a fucking maniac. Yeah, yeah psychological torture. Yeah. yeah. Well, employees said that he had a way of defining things as if his definition was the only one. Classic cult leader stuff. Yeah. And one kid even compared him to Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. He said we would have drank cyanide for this guy. Wow. So the kids were into it. Well, the employees, the, empl- the kids who graduated into employment they were the ones that were the most uh, behind him. Like, they were the ones Mm. that would do fucking anything. We'll get to the reasons why here in a second. Okay. Well, as far as how Joe kept control, he had the ability to create an immediate intimacy with people. It's the uh, only person in the room trick that politicians and cult leaders use. The thing is, I got a 10-foot dick. (laughs) (laughs) I can make it feel intimate in a room that's huge. I'm 12. (laughs) Please leave me alone, sir. Uh, he, uh, He had this thing where there's something about when you, it's kind of like an abusive dad, right? Abusive the parent, right? Yeah. The thing where you create an environment that's really hostile and chaotic and scary, but then you're also the person that brings the ultimate stability as well. So yeah. then not only are you the, so if you pass through the gauntlet of all his love, because then Joe Ritchie would get super close with you once you went through years of garbage with him and then became an employee of I Synodon. mean, technically it's making a Marine. Yes. No. That's not an employee of Synodon. Oh, yeah, uh, you become an employee of Elon school, right? Because that's what it is. It's breaking a kind of like breaking a personality down. You make it so somebody like is super scared of you, but they also need you because right. you're also the leader of the thing. And you could make everything stop on a dime for that person. And you can he probably flex that time. I mean, like, we're, we're going to wait for on this. You know, like, yeah, he would I mean, play people like off a, each he other. sounds like a shitty Hollywood producer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just one oh one power tactics. Yeah. I mean, his employees put it. He liked being a god. That's how he thought of himself. I'm what like, a shock. Yeah. I can't believe he liked being a god. It's a lot of. <laughs> responsibility. <laughs> it is. And when Joe lost his temper, he'd make life horrific for anyone who got in his way. And this, of course, trickled down to each and every person who was forced into the Elon school. It went from Joe to the employees to the kids. And from the kids, it went to the other kids. It right. was just an entire, it was a culture. He created a culture yeah. of fear and pain. 
Sometimes Joe would financially assist the poorer kids. But this was, of course, another control method. Mm-hmm. He'd make these kids into staff therapists. Even though they had no training, sometimes they didn't even have a high school diploma, much less a college education. Hey, a lot of the people I know who want to be therapists are some of the most out-of-pocket human beings I've ever <laughs> met in my life. Well, we also have some friends who are great therapists, but it's interesting that he didn't get them, like, an education. Yeah. If you want to do this, then you have to put them through school. Joe no. thought do these things that, that are the proper. Money, my friend. That money. would have been a good way to do it. Also, what it does is brings you to the outside world of a bunch of different perspectives. And you might hear that the things that Joe Ritchie is doing at your place of work are actually really, really bad. And he mm. might be wrong. He wanted specifically people that did, were not educated because Joe Ritchie wasn't educated. Yeah. So he literally right. is like he thought it was that it was all stupid. Yeah. Think about the word critical, right? Critical thinking. Critical is bad. Bad thinking. Bad thinking. <laughs> Who wants to critically think? Yeah, critics are assholes. There Do you, you want to be an asshole? You want to be an asshole? Now, Ben, what you're talking about is the method of sending, like, the youngest son and a mob family to law school yes. so you always have a lawyer. Boom. Can't wait. That's yeah. how you do it. That's where I'm going to send my kid to culinary school so I'm never fucking hungry. That's a good idea. Or you just Thank buy you. a chef. That's called what he did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason why Joe Ritchie gave financial assistance to these poor kids was because it made his lieutenants, for lack of a better word, easier to control. Because Mm. if anyone refused to ladle the electric sauce, if they refused to spank a kid until they shat themselves, or if they refused to lock a kid in a room wearing a straitjacket, Joe would fire him and take away the fleeting financial security he'd given him. Yeah, they'd get shot down. Yeah, because these kids would, this is the first time they'd ever had any kind of financial security. A lot of them, the only time they'd ever have anything close to a family or a father figure, and he used that again and again. And then you're shat out on the curb without a true education, and your resume, I guess it's pretty slim. At one point, it would lead to other work, but then eventually the Elan School would become a dark mark on a CV. Yeah, Joe is described by most everyone at Elan as cruel, power-hungry, and willing to do anything to get his way. And if he couldn't get what he wanted by intimidation, he always had a fat stack of bills he could use to buy someone off. I like that way better if I was going to have to get something. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what's fun. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll take that. Well, this threat of do what I say or else was further a burden on female employees and residents, the latter of whom were completely at the mercy of Joe's whims. The prettiest female residents would often be forced to babysit Joe and Sherry's kids, which Jerry didn't like because most of the girls weren't very good at it. Yeah, it reminds me of a letter that was sent to me uh, that talked about they were sent to a wilderness program, uh, something attached to SEDU, and one of the things that they had to do or it was mandatory was the, called a one-on-one session where a counselor was attached to a student and they have to have a one-on-one session where cuddling was uh, encouraged. Yeah. And that it was, it was supposed to be same sexes, but the guy that was in charge of their little program, he would choose the girls to go cuddle with in another room, and he said that it was good to do that it was important and mandatory okay yeah maybe if there were sheep dogs yeah I'd yeah sure yeah. yeah there's a lot of different rules well, for, cuddling, for sheep dogs yeah. jerry earlier but yeah. that's different again yeah. jerry likes it yeah he does yeah. yeah he does well once a girl who babysat for the richies inexplicably bullied their son noah into pretending he was a cat hmm. and then he made the kid sit in her lap and act like a cat. Okay, well, it's weird. It's weird. It's a weird kid. It's a bad babysitter. It's usually, bad babysitter. It's, the, it's a bad babysitter. Yeah. Usually, the kid's like, "I'm a cat," and then you should be like, "Okay." okay. 
Well, they're like, you're not. So you're when mom and dad get home, you're not a cat. You're <laughs> a cat. That's what. They, but that's how that babysitter was. I feel like the baby, the babysitter kind of sees sort of like a manic pixie dream girl type. Uh, yeah. In a way, where it's not that she was a bad babysitter; or she was the wrong babysitter. Well, she was a bad babysitter because when the kid wanted to stop being a cat, she burned him with a lit cigarette. I don't well, like there that. you go. Shouldn't do that to a cat either. You shouldn't do that at all. <laughs> no. But when Sherry also, you shouldn't be smoking around a cat or a kid. To you be could, honest, see, I mean, this is back in the day. Kids were kids' lungs were stronger earlier then. Yeah, you can mm. smoke around a cat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just don't teach a cat to smoke. That's and cute. don't fuck a cat, which we've covered before. We have. But when Sherry Ritchie learned about the cat cigarette incident, Joe told her nothing wrong with it. That's just what people do. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. You know how many times I tell somebody to be a cat? Yeah. Like, so, you know how many wait. times I'm out there? I honestly, I wish this cat could smoke. I, I've been trying to teach this cat to smoke. Make it a cool oh, cat. I've been talking to Dr. Davidson. He's None of his MK Ultra tricks are allowing anything. You know yeah. what one thing about a cat is? It can't suck right. Yeah. I keep shoving it in his mouth. He keeps coughing. Cats you know, don't got lips. Cats got lips. Cats do have lips. You know what a cat calls a cat nap? A nap. It does. You sure cats got lips? Grinding yes, hole. Yes, they definitely Shows do. Shows come to a grinding <laughs> hole. They definitely do I, have I lips. I feel that. <laughs> well, the thing is about Joe Ritchie is that he was telling us why there's nothing wrong with this cat cigarette thing because that would stop a steady stream of young vulnerable girls from coming into his home. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's from, like yeah, it's like if you're David Spade and you let a bunch of like random women in your house. You're like, yeah, sure, yeah, play with my Emmys. I don't care. You know what I mean like you just have to kind of let them be because if you start telling them to stop playing with the Emmys, the models will stop showing up. Mm. Mm, very intriguing, very bizarre uh, non sequitur. <laughs> very bizarre not to bring Mr. David Spade into this. Yeah. Does he have any Emmys? Yeah, I I think so. I think he, he deserves has a, some. Yeah, just shoot me. Yeah, just that's shoot what I'm saying. Me. No, forget we, that era. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Well, from reports, Richie singled out girls and gave them special treatment and often did coke with the very girls he was supposed to be treating. This is medicinal. This is, why they this fucking, is medicinal. This is just Advil. It's Advil. They were just hopped up on coke being like, you're a cat. And then they went for it. That's what, I, now I get it. But because of all the bad weirdness and because Joe spent most of his time at Elan, Sherry and Joe were no longer living together by 1978, and Sherry filed for divorce soon after. Mm. But because Joe was now wealthy and still a total dirtball, he decided around this time that he wanted to buy a horse track called Scarborough Downs. That is the single most divorced man thing that yeah. has ever been said <laughs> out loud. Besides being a hollow moon like Redditor, yeah. right? There is the, the idea of going out and st- buying a horse track. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Like, not a horse to no, race on a track. A track. The track. It's, just it's then, also like so much work. Yeah, it's like if you bought a slot machine just for your home. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what you can do. But you have to put your own money in it. Yes. And yeah. then you... you, you I just like pulling the lever. Yeah. <laughs> he actually had to write a letter to all the people at the track that he wasn't going to bet on races at the track and that he wasn't going to run his own horses at the track. But, of course, he bet on all the races at the did. track. It's and he ran his horses all the time. He's well, the most you know, divorced man he's ever been. You know the horse that's his because it's the only one with hooves. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones are just bloody yeah, stumps. Yeah. I won again. This is amazing. Live from your grave. 
Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha, Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha. And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, you told Sherry, hey, why don't you go in on the horse track with me. Doesn't matter if we're Place. divorced or Ooh, not. You're, just like, you're good. We're good together we're in business. Oh, we're good. You love horses. I love Great. gambling. <laughs> love that. I can't believe this man. So he runs a horse track and then he runs a home for troubled youth. Yes. That's perfect. It tracks. Yeah. But Sherry easily recognized that Joe was just stalling until he had enough money to buy the racetrack before she got her cut from the divorce. Smart and dumb. Yeah. At the same time. But so she was able to get out while the getting was good. But this, she was also a scumbag too, right? I mean, she was involved in the she school. She knew everything that was going on. Uh, I know. don't know. I That I can yeah. honestly say I have no I clue. I think a lot yeah, of times we're, we're like, oh, the wife has blinders on. But also, like, they talk. 
Yeah, a lot of times Maybe I would, they didn't. I don't this know. is again, it's talking out of school, but a lot of times the it does seem the wife does know a bit more than I think they, so. they, they Have they, you talked to a man? But mostly you're just trying to get out. You know what I mean? The best thing she could have done was get out, as you saw yeah. it all the while. Because this was all from the book. What was the biography on Joe Ritchie? Uh we will give the source at the end of the episode. Got it. Oh, but right. there is a there's a it's all in there, but no one tells her story because they're all coming for Joe Ritchie. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, just because Joe Ritchie's wife said no to the racetrack. That didn't stop Joe. Nah, man, because he's a true American. All mm-hmm. right. Dr. Gerald Davidson <laughs> agreed to throw in for half. All right. Actually, you know, a bunch of those horses go round and round. I'm absolutely fascinated. Fascinating. And in 1979, they bought Scarborough Downs. This tells you how much money these guys made at a lawn school for $1.2 million. Ooh. That is $6 million. In today's money, you're, you're making, making money though. See, you the think thing we is, could take any of these horses? I see that one. Yeah, he's running in a circle, but we can make him run in the trapezoid if I get some electric charges. <laughs> Absolutely. And by 1979, Alon School was, of course, a horrific place of torture, degradation, and humiliation, all under Joe Ritchie's insistence and guidance. But this was all kept from the public, partly because troubled teen institutions were still a new thing, and partly because Maine did fuck all on due diligence when it came to inspection. Also, people were super into the idea of this because we were being fed this line of this rampant like rise in teenage rebellion. Like yeah. they do like every 10 years, it's like a new re-up of it. It's like the kids' version of the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. And as a result, a newspaper article released just before Joe's divorce titled, Meet Maine's Most Unusual Millionaire. He's the most unusual millionaire? I figured it'd be like a lobster guy. (laughs) Yeah, well, that would be usual for Maine. Oh, that would be. Yeah, yeah, but he's like, but, uh. (laughs) You're allergic to shellfish. Were you about to do like Lobster Jim? Are you doing Lobster Jim? I almost think that's that's almost a you character. (laughs) I actually do Lobster Jim, please. Oh, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to try to find me a couple of lobsters. It's that easy. Lobster Jim. Characters yeah. are that easy. Yeah, I've got, I've got lobsters in my jeans. Oh. Oh. God, I really wish we could have you do, do my GPS. <laughs> Don't go down that road. Don't no. no, go down that road. What road am I supposed to go down? No, no, see, it's it's just a lie. It's just all, all elimination of all other roads. <laughs> no, don't go down that road. So oh, I'm taking guess, exit 14 then. So I should just stay home. Well, in Meet Maine's Most Unusual Millionaire, Joe Ritchie was painted with a very different brush. Oh, yeah. Described as the embodiment of the American dream, Richie was portrayed as a rags-to-riches triumph. Yeah, man, because he's got the brain, he's got the sex, mm. he's got the dick, I he's guess got the so. moves. I mean, he can be both a horrible serial predator, a horrible businessman, and the epitome of the American dream. It's yeah, almost like These things kind of marry. It seems <laughs> to be the American dream. Well, falsely claiming that he'd grown up in rat-infested squalor, Richie claimed to have graduated from the supposedly brutal Daytop Village with flying colors while still in his teens. They closed down his school because they never met such a perfect student. Yeah, why have schools when you're so smart? <laughs> he also claimed to have founded Dartek. Not true. Mm. And he said he took out a third mortgage on his house to start a lawn. Also not true. Yeah. All he did was make money. Right. Right. 
But as it went again and again, no one checked up on Richie's claims. And Alon naturally got even worse after Richie's first wife, Sherry, left. Also a common string. Look at Chuck Dieterich. Mm-hmm. Look at Jim Jones. Yeah. All these guys. Yeah. Well, no, Jim Jones's wife, she was there till the very end. Oh, yeah, that's right. She yeah. just became a loveless shell because he was banging all the other people. The other and then she yeah. just kind of segued to the side and then tried to have her own court. And then Fee Billy was like, no, stop. At the end. Yeah, he was yeah. exhausted. Yeah. yeah, he was exhausted. She's got a nice grave, by the way. Good. It's really nice. Great. Really Thank good. you for the oh. update. Cool. Good. <laughs> Let us know. Do you go leave like. flowers like yeah. once a year? Or? No, no, no. We just, we went and visited it on our uh, Jim Jones tour. No, I remember. So yeah, go, yeah, your anniversary. Yeah. Go yeah. dump a little flavor aid out. Jim Jones's <laughs> grave and his wife. Just one for Jim. Well, reportedly, Joe did cocaine almost every day during the eighties. Busy. Yeah. It's the 80s. Yeah. And he would often preside over employee parties where he openly rode the slopes with teenagers and young adults. <laughs> I mean, this That's is cool terminology. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He rode the slopes. Yeah. yeah, they say that on Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to go skiing? Oh, that's cocaine. Yeah, man, I went over there and I had all my equipment. They, did, they were all wearing swimsuits. Because <laughs> my thing was, it was July, so I figured they had some kind of, like, machine. some kind of machine. <laughs> no, it turns out I just... I was the table. So three <laughs> days later, I have two ski poles up my asshole, right? <laughs> Just yada yada three days. Yep. <laughs> Richie was also able to upgrade Alon in the early 80s with another alleged insurance scam, although nothing was ever proven. In 1983, the Scarborough Downs Clubhouse burned down. Oh, no. Another oh, God. burned down. I'd simply, oh, God. He comes up with a nightcap on, like, you know, and like a full, like, Ebenezer Scrooge. Like, oh, I was simply a Sleep in my sleeping den. Seems and, like your, oh, your nightgown has a little bit of charm. Oh, that was because I'm doing this new. I saw Chef's Table. So this yeah. is incredibly cooking over an open flame is the most primal way to cook. You see the flames licking the food right. itself, and yeah. it's almost an erotic dance between the venue of cooking and the food itself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Seems like you're around a lot of things that burn down. Oh, <laughs> I like it. coals. You do like coals. Okay. <laughs> well, Richie claimed that it was arson, but somebody else did the arson. Definitely. So this is interesting. So he went with the half truth. Yeah. Yeah. He went, well, I mean, that's the thing. Allegedly. Okay. Thank you. Legitimate businessman. How many businesses do you get to have burnt down that you own? You know what? I'll say for my own coverage, three. Hmm. Just for later on, I think by the second, because second time, that's just sad. Yeah. The second time, second time, you can do okay, the so it's on. So the third time you are busted, you don't get the fourth. You're done no, at three. No, no, three is like, you got two open. Okay. Yeah. 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 And right. then three with time to get to Mexico. Got you. Well, investigators couldn't connect it to Joe, and he again earned a tidy sum. Truly riding high on his own bullshit, Joe Ritchie then decided to run for governor of Maine in 1985. <laughs> what the fuck is the campaign slogan? It is just him. It, it literally is like, me, I'm Joe Ritchie. You got, I'm not a seasoned politician. I don't know how these budgets work or how Great. transit's supposed to be organized. Awesome. I, I, about, it's a really key issue, issue, though. But I'm, I connect to the local. I connect to the modern, the the, the, the working man. All right, that was his whole thing. Was that he's yeah. like, I'm a regular guy. Yeah, you're like an alcoholic. You. You've fallen asleep with a cigarette. You've burnt down your house. You know how it is. <laughs> I look at me. My head's too big for me to wear my shirt closed. 
So that's why, you know, I'm like you. Yeah, I'm just voting for him because, again, I think that he is similar to me. Self-made millionaire, just like I have just like $100, I, like, you I know, like what I'm like going it. to be. Well, he said that he'd previously worked at non-union shops and he'd organized places like Arnold Bakery. You've seen that bread. Oh, yeah. And thank God they, thank God they finally unionized at Arnold. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, they organized in the 1920s. Well, he wasn't alive. It yeah. was a long time ago. 25 okay. years before Richie was born. Oh, the birth okay. of, oh, the birth of unions is when they began cracking down. That's when capitalism actually began. This is the Medici's dog. Fucking 1400s dog. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? I learn things. I think you need to like every... Man, it's weird how you get smarter and dumber it's just weird. Every I know, year. it's discord. What is Medici's? The Medici's were the guys that, uh, Italian, first of all, the original mob, right? <laughs> so the, the powerful they, they Italian They call themselves family. the Medici's. Oh, the Medici's. The Medi- well, fuck. I oh don't my God. know. Yeah, it's the Medici's, because I thought you said, like, Medici's. Yeah, that's like what I was M-E-T-A thinking. Like M-E-T-A-C-H-E-S-E. That's weird. Like a cheese. That's weird. A sandwich. I, thought I thought you'd picked up some more, like, stupid slang. <laughs> no, I heard some new slang. You know what's a good one? He's he's got riz. Okay, you got gonna, the riz. We're gonna move on. He got the riz. That means I think that's an Asian version of Wizard of Oz. Oh, oh fantastic! He's got the riz. No, it means flirty. Great. Oh. Well, again, we'll move on. Yeah. Well, really, it seemed like Richie only ran for governor as a sort of like internal ego trip. Isn't that why everybody runs for governor? Some people want to save the world, like Jesse Ventura, who finally got the train to run in Minneapolis. It's one train, and it's run by steam. (laughs) It's not a steam train. There are some good-hearted people in politics, but unfortunately... Pieces of shit like this muddy all the waters. Well, and when I say like internal ego trip, I mean yes. like within his own organization. It's like he got bored with the Alon School game and he wanted another way to manipulate the people around him. So yes. he's the head of an Alon School. He's got a racetrack and now he wants to be governor. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, a woman who worked for the campaign said that Richie was constantly manipulating everyone, giving them jobs to do, but distracting them with constant phone calls or meetings so the jobs would never get done. Mm. And when those jobs didn't get done, Richie would get angry and ostracize whoever displeased him. And additionally, Joe would also distract everyone with drugs and alcohol, partying at all hours of the night, then expecting everyone to show up fresh-faced and ready to go the next day at 9 a.m. My question is, was he fresh-faced at 9 a.m.? Well, he was... Alert. He was there. At 9 a.m. Okay. He was awake. That's what Jordan Belfort used to say. If you want to go out with the boys, you got to wake up with the men. <laughs> I don't what? care what Jordan Belfort used to say because I think he pulls a Costanza and sleeps under his desk all day. He does, yeah, he just, you just, you see, that's the thing is if you just get fucked up at work. Yeah. You just wake up on time. Yeah. Boom. That's the thing is that, I mean, on a surface level, like, yeah, Joe Ritchie's there. You know, if you're especially if you're doing cocaine for a decade straight, you get a rhythm going on. That's the thing. You build a tolerance <laughs> yeah. in a way that makes you almost a better person. Okay. <laughs> but you're not going to do a good job. Mm. And no one's going to do a good job. No. And when anyone fucked up in Richie's campaign, save for Joe himself, they'd be fired immediately. Yeah, because no one fired Joe. Yeah. The only one who could fire Joe is God. That's and a bullet <laughs> to the center of his brain. I think the only job that you could possibly do a better job while you're on cocaine, ship captain. I don't know why. Hmm. It's a lot of bumps, a lot of road. You're alone. No, you're in the middle of the ocean. I don't even think you sell cocaine better when you're using cocaine. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't don't think think you sell it better, but I think if you're a ship captain, you look at the whales. No, the only thing that cocaine is really good for is playing a keyboard or a keytar a lot of times in some form of kraut rock style Mm. band. (laughs) 
That is the sound of cocaine. Yeah. Actually, one night I did do cocaine and played some drums. Like I, I jammed with a couple of guys. Yeah. I played a Krautrock rock beat for 45 minutes straight. Did? Do you actually think it was good or do you think you were just so fucked you thought you thought it was great? I mean, we weren't fucking playing Farm Aid. Like we're just three. <laughs> we were yeah. th- we were That's thre- the biggest concert <laughs> you Farm can Aid. think of. Farm Aid. <laughs> the pinnacle. <laughs> we're three guys in a fucking windowless room in Greenpoint in 2012. No oh. one cared what we were doing. All that mattered was the fucking vibe, dude. Yeah. You didn't know if the fucking the hives were outside listening? The hives? Uh, they're Sweden. a very popular band. I know the, how the hives are. They're not there. Yeah, you probably don't even know who the hives are. <laughs> I know I get hives. Yeah, so do I. Well, all of this was not a winning strategy for a gubernatorial race. What? And Joe predictably lost his bid for governor. But Joe didn't take responsibility for his horrendously run campaign. Instead, Joe blamed it on being an Italian in Maine. Tell me about it. That's what happened to Andrew Cuomo as well. He was too Italian to follow the law. There was a mayoral race out here. There was this fellow Caruso, this billionaire guy, and the uh, chick doing one of the debates, she was like, so what do you think? As a white man, it's it's a diversity. said, I'm not white, I'm Italian. Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. I do love that. I'm not white, I'm Polish. Hmm. Brave. So all of you are just trying to distance yourself from the English and the Irish, aren't you? Hmm. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not white. I'm German. That doesn't really work. Well, Well, after Joe said, like, hey, I'm getting all this discrimination. I'm Italian. What's the problem? (laughs) 60 minutes actually gave him a platform to complain. No, 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 no. Everybody (laughs) says, oh, just because you wear a tracksuit every day, even court. (laughs) Oh, just because I pay people in fucking spaghetti. That's racist. (laughs) That's fucking racist. It is a little bit racist. There was somebody talking about how Italians are like, we're not all mobsters. And if you walk into like one of their rooms, it's just covered in good fellas. (laughs) You have to make a choice. See, since Joe had a lot of money and since he was Italian, it was assumed by the community in Maine that he was connected to the mob, oh, wow. which actually wasn't true. That's the crazy <laughs> That's thing. The That's the only thing he should have been doing. That's yeah. it. He, he is of of all of the people who are not attached to the mob. He has all of the characteristics yeah. of a man who would be. There is a reason why we have subconsciously been using mob terms and <laughs> mob comparisons this entire episode. Henry's almost, been doing it very consciously. But he is also, <laughs> I do think he might have had a touch of a connection to the mob. Maybe. But we don't know. Again, yeah, I mean, he's if in you the... own a horse truck, yeah. <laughs> there is no way. If you're the only Italian man that runs a haunted horse track, just as <laughs> Instead of Stephen King's home, you might just be a mafioso. There you yeah. go. Good Jeff Foxworthy. Also, he's surrounded by shellfish. I feel like this is mob all over the place. Yep. Because the one thing that took down the mob even more so than the FBI, the gout. gout. The gout. gout. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, I mean, his money, yeah, it was from torturing defenseless teenagers, but it wasn't from the mob. Not from mm, the mob. That's not from the mob. Okay. And amazingly, the 60-minute segment only mentions Alon School in passing and focuses mostly on Joe whining about how everyone in Maine assumes he's mafia just because he's Italian and wealthy. And that's why he can't get a loan. 
Mm, yeah, yeah. I, like problem. I've said, I've said a lot of times I'm too Polish to get a loan, and it's just because I can't figure out the application. <laughs> Absolutely. So he's got That's two funny. burnt down buildings yeah. uh, attached to his name. Runs a really corrupt school, a, a, a horse track. Yeah, I wonder if it is because he's Italian. I think it's because yeah. he's Italian. <laughs> yeah. There's even a small section. This is how far they crawl up his asshole. There is a small section in the segment that I can't play. It, it doesn't read an audio. It's just Joe Ritchie looking out of a window wistfully while he listens to a sad song. Like, I don't know what the sad song is. It's when unidentifiable. When the moon hits your eye <laughs> like a big pizza pie. I don't know why they think I'm Italian. That's amore. <laughs> Just because I danced to that at my wedding? <laughs> well, let's play the only mention of a lawn school in this entire uh. segment. And this speaks of the school in only the most glowing terms. This tells you what people, this is like 1987? Where, wasn't this after like Geraldo Bro, or was this around that? Oh, no, dude, this, no, was, this, this was, was before. Dude, this was bo- even before Geraldo. Because that was the only great piece of journalism he ever did, but it was actually very important. But no, that was but that was a mental institution right. in Staten Island. Yes. This is the trouble. That was the Cropsey School, right? That was the Cropsey yes. School, yeah. The teenager, like the troubled teen schools, Geraldo loved him. Donnie, oh, Sally, did. Jesse, Raphael, all of them. Half of the, like the teens go to boot camp. They it came fucking, from them. Yeah, it right. came from they them. Want, they are telling their parents to fucking send their kids yeah. to these things. I forgot Geraldo had a show like that. Oh, yeah. I think Joe Ritchie was actually on an episode of Donahue. You know, mm-hmm. like these guys, like they. Well, we're not going to besmirch the great name of Donahue. And it's just so difficult. I did love Donahue. Like, when I you're love just, Donahue. And we're that Italian. They have to put all these paper towels so you can even sit on the fucking furniture <laughs> because the olive oil is just shooting there out of you your fucking really asshole. Good. Like, it's really difficult to be Italian. <laughs> this is going to get us canceled somehow. Yeah. I, don't I don't know, know why. I, I'm just. You're half Italian, though. Yes. Yeah. See, I can say it. Yeah, you're half Italian. Your mother. Your mother. My mother's Italian. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. It's like Judaism. You're fully Italian. I'm, I guess. <laughs> well, the only thing that it mentions in regards to controversy when it comes to a lawn school is how people said back then it's funded by the mob. It's a laundering operation for the yeah, mob. Yeah, it's called a funded by a little mob called the Central Intelligence Agency. Ooh, yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a little too real to be understood. Wow. Let's play that clip. The Joe Ritchie story wasn't always this bleak. Joe Ritchie is a former dope addict who succeeded in founding one of the most prestigious schools for troubled teenagers in the country. It's called Elan, treatment center that, over the years, has used some controversial therapies to bring otherwise confused kids out of their shells. Parents spend $25,000 a year to send problem uh. teenagers to the school. That's what made Joe Ritchie a millionaire while barely into his 30s. But Elan has also come under scrutiny. Among the allegations the bank says it heard was that Elan was under investigation for being a front for the laundering of organized crime drug money. That's the reason why. And that's it. Like that's the uh, that's so the only just, thing like, that they mentioned. Doesn't sound like they were really listening well, to the audio because it did. seems like that child was screaming in immense amounts of pain. Well, they it was did a something meeting. that really, yeah, that was a general meeting, and they Ooh. do a thing where they are. It's it is kind of magical in its own way, where you lead 
with your maybe it's how they maybe that's propaganda maybe that's a term for yeah. it where you lead with your worst aspect mm-hmm. he was proud and wanted people to see the clips of the general meeting they wanted to see that because then they'd always flip it we're like that may sound harsh but it's something that these troubled teens need like yeah. they yeah. would do this thing where they would they would live out loud they would show all of the fucked up shit out loud they well, talk not about the, the ring. most fucked up shit not the most not the ones yeah. that have kids dying and all that kind of shit yeah. but they they wanted you to like that's how they could actually hide by hiding in plain sight really right. well by just a, letting it all those kind of secrets out a little bit and be like this, this is our way we this is the way we do it they do the big stuff like the ring and the general meetings like sure. they'll, they'll say that like yeah we do that but then they also give like caveats that they don't actually follow like they're like yeah it we use the ring but it's only evenly matched students and it's only people who have been extremely violent violent and offenders people are like oh yeah that makes sense but yeah. they don't mention electric sauce they don't mention straight jackets for weeks on end they don't mention right. the spankings you know like and so people just kind of let it go because they think oh it can't possibly get worse than that screaming yeah yeah screw yeah. the screaming honestly there's something about just the audio of it they're like well that's terrible but yeah. then you just then you kind of block everything else mm. out the only good the only good thing 60 minutes ever did was andy rooney yeah that's you know. it and technically he was just a very mean man give me a rooneyism well you know my favorite License plates. Now, <laughs> why, why does every state have to put their name on a license yeah, plate? Yeah. Why do I care where you're from? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's I'm the best it. one that he's ever done. That's a good yeah. one. Bottled water. He did a whole thing on bottled water. He's like, people, I walk by at the desks and all these people have bottled Bottle water. water. How much do you think this costs? This is a dollar fifty. I go, I go to the bubbler. I go to the water fountain. My water, it's free. Like he's just so on point. Yes. And technically, he was right about bottled water. He was. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, actually, until all the lead in the water, and now we have to drink it. Oh. That was not Andy's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Institutionalized bad problems. Mm -hmm. Now, the main thrust of the 60-minute segment is really the fact that Joe Ritchie couldn't get a $125,000 loan because it was believed by both the bank and the government that he was in the mob and because he was suspected in the death of a mobster named, like, Little Tony or something. It was a dumb name because it was kind of fat. Right. They always are. Isn't that just five more people into one of his uh, Elyon schools? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's $125,000 isn't even that much if you're getting 25 year, a year of pop. He didn't want to spend his own money. Mm-hmm. That, however, was only a part of why he was denied. And the other part, having to do with Alon, was not mentioned in the 60-minute segment. See, enrollment at Alon was steadily declining, and Alon was provably poorly managed, even though Richie and his lawyers maintained that Alon had a 90% success rate. That's actually not even that good. 90%? That's just the reverse of cigarettes. <laughs> that is not a, a 90 per, I need a 99.5%. Yeah. I mean, that's 10 out of every 100 people come back totally fucked up. Mm-hmm. A, a carnival ride would have to be shut down. Well, to them, it's not, it doesn't work. And again, they're also, they're up front with this concept of it's for really, for kids that are really fucked and have nowhere else to go. And they don't say like, no, it's for anybody who can pay for a child to be here. No. Right. But after Ritchie filed a battery of lawsuits against the bank claiming defamation, breach of contract, inflicting emotional distress, and discrimination under the Equal Opportunity Act, he was infuriatingly awarded a settlement of $15 million. What? He got $15 million for being Italian? That's the American dream. (laughs) That's the American dream is taking the bank to a court and getting more money than you wanted from a loan from the court. This was an era, and again, not I love the Italians, but this is an era where we trusted them. <laughs> what is happening? Well, after becoming 
incredibly rich, Richie's actions and behavior took a further downward spiral and his drug use greatly increased along with his aberrant behavior. Weird. More money, more drugs. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. And this finally caught the attention of the Elan School's co-founder, Gerald Davidson. Now, he can deal with a lot of fucked up shit, right? He can deal with, like, you helping him break down the minds of all of these Physically children. Physically abused children, sure. And, and, and across the board and, and taking over, and then maybe using some MK Ultra tactics and, and maybe taking some money from, from various weird sketchy things. He can deal with a lot. But there's one thing he won't deal with. Stir Richie taking his money. Yeah. Uh, Joe Richie was funneling funds from the Elan School to the horse track. Mm. Whoa. Now <laughs> the that horse track, I didn't see coming. The horse track was losing money. Whoa, yeah. what? Yeah, I know. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, horse track wasn't doing well. And so Gerald Davidson filed a lawsuit against Joe Ritchie. But it's weird because Gerald Davidson also owned half of the horse track. It just sounds like they're lunatics. I, I think that Dr. Gerald Davidson viewed Joe Ritchie as a massive liability mm. and decided that he wanted to figure out a way to cut him loose yeah. as well. Mm. Or at least to cut himself loose. Yes. But lest you think that Davidson never had any idea what was going on at Alon, it was alleged that he sent a relative of his to this hellhole. And this relative, by accounts, got worse treatment than most. Mm. Her name was Jennifer. And according to one message board that, you know, I got this from a message board, so take it with a grain of salt. Jennifer apparently went through a particularly brutal general meeting with a friend of hers named Mary O. In front of the whole school, Jennifer and Mary were allegedly sauced, which was a lawn slang for having a ladle of feces and garbage slurry poured over your head. <laughs> That'll teach you to what? Not to even beat, to, to, have to, a, what? to have a big old head covered in shit. Not yeah. even close to being over. They were then allegedly handcuffed, wrapped in sheets like mummies without being cleaned off at all, still covered in Ugh. shit and garbage. And they were made to lay on the dining room floor for hours, encased what? in electric sauce. Okay. Yeah, it was, and this was the, this is a relative, if this is true, of Dr. Gerald Davidson. And I don't believe that he didn't know enough to know to not send their kids to the thing. I Jesus. think that he knew exactly what was going yeah. on. Yeah. Must be a strange family reunion. It's just, it gets just more just the children don't uh, have autonomous minds. Yeah. I mean, that didn't have much of an effect on Jennifer's behavior. She was drugged into submission for weeks on end. She was so sedated that her mouth hung open long enough to severely chap her lips. Mm. The only lubrication being a steady stream of drool that dripped out. And yet, Gerald Davidson kept sending kids there, at least until he was forced out following the racetrack lawsuit. Right, he forced himself out. <laughs> okay. Now, after Gerald left, Alon continued operating well into the 90s, and Joe Ritchie made another unsuccessful run at the governor's office in 1998. 1998. Still Holy going. 1998. Crap. Still going strong. But right around the time that Joe decided to run for governor— a murder trial involving a lawn school began oh. concerning a killing that had taken place over 20 years earlier. Mm. That was the murder of Martha Moxley. And the man on trial for that murder was a former Elan School student named Michael Skakel. This would be the beginning of the end for the Elan School. Now, Skakel wasn't the only Elan student in its history to be attached to a murder. Mm. But his case got worldwide attention because he was the nephew of Ethel Skakel Kennedy, uh. a.k.a. the widow of good old RFK himself, 
Bobby Kennedy. Yeah, dog. This guy was Bobby Kennedy's nephew. I still like to imagine that Bobby Kennedy was one of the good Kennedys. I don't know if it's true. I'm just going to hold on to that mythos. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. I think that he's fine right now. This is because, again, this is He's way dead. He's way dead. He's He's got to be better than that one that did the rebuttal to the uh, uh, debate and did it with, he had those really wet lips and his lips were so wet that all anyone talked about was his wet lips and then he just disappeared (laughs) from the public eye completely. Multiplicity is a real thing and you just get dumber and dumber with every generation, don't you? Oh, yes. Uh, how many dead people have to be connected to the R- Kennedys? Oh, uh, well, you know, they have, they have Czech Bakuic, Czech and Czech Equimic, Czech Yeah, Equimic. it's like, uh, um, you know, JFK I mean, probably killed Marilyn. Have, what do you mean have to be connected? That's what I'm saying. I it's think, like before us all to be like, I don't know if it's a Kennedy thing. I think it might just be a, a filthy rich thing. No, it seems Kennedy's like the filthy the, rich have a lot of dead bodies just pile up. A lot of dead bodies pile up around no, filthy rich families. Even the Kennedy, I do think they have more like Paris Hilton's not killing anyone. No, no, <laughs> you no. Know. But it's like, you know, you got, I mean, obviously the ones that got murdered. You got all the other ones that like are like next to ones. You got, you know, you got Teddy and you get like, mm-hmm. this is a lot. Yeah. I feel like the Kennedys are up there. Yeah, yeah, maybe the, Ro- the 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 Rockefellers they've uh, killed right. Well, they've just well they've led to the, the uh, they've, they, those guys have led to opportunities where they've like worked probably thousands of people to death. You know what I mean? That's yeah, different yeah. though. That's that's statistics. But did the Rockefellers work with the mob and have a couple of hits out? Uh, uh, things I'm not like sure. That? I mean, the Rockefellers we'll are part of the Bilderberg Group, right? Uh, we're going to do. That's how you know last podcast is ending. Yeah, that's yeah. how we will begin our twenty. 20- Episode series and you're gonna be on able the to, Illuminati. You're going to be able to listen to that exclusively on Infowars.com. <laughs> it's going to be great. We're going to save the whole network. So concerning this murder, on October 30th, 1975, Martha Moxley, aged 15, was Uh-oh. bludgeoned to death with a golf club in the wealthiest part of Greenwich, Connecticut. So on brand. Yeah. The attack was so vicious that the golf club broke into pieces. One of those pieces was used to stab Martha Moxley in the neck. Jesus. The grip, which would have had the fingerprints, was of course never found. Mm. But the golf club came from a set belonging to an extraordinarily wealthy neighbor named Rushton Skagel. What a fucking... Uh, Rushton Skagel. Someone took my monogrammed golf club. <laughs> well, my monogrammed golf club. Oh, yeah. like I, I cannot perform with something that doesn't have my initials on it. Yeah. <sighs> Rushton Skakel was Ethel Skakel's brother, and Ooh. the Skakels were richer than the Kennedys by far. What what business were the Skakels in? It was something like I don't know, like industrial oil coke. or some shit. Yeah, shipping yeah. and 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 uh, it's that type of thing where All it's right. just like they run the boxes that go on the ships. You know, like that style of like they make billions of dollars, but you, and you don't know what they do. Yeah, well. Rushton Skakel, he was the father of five brothers who were known far and wide to be a pack of demons let loose on Earth. This was an entire, if there could have been a family annihilator that could have stepped in, (laughs) that could have saved a lot of problems, it could have been Rushton Skakel. It's never the bad families. It's always uh, someone killing good families. Yeah. Now, the murder went unsolved at the time. Go figure, considering the considering the people involved. No way. It is, it's completely solved, but we're going to say it's not solved. Let's yeah. just... We know who did it, but come on. Guys, we need a bigger rug and a bigger broom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Can't the, take down a Rushton. Well, the main suspect was one of the Skakel brothers, but not Michael Skakel. Instead, the main suspect at the time in 1975 was his older brother, Tommy. So in 1991, to finally put the matter to rest, the father, Rushton Skakel, hired a private investigator to solve the murder. See, that's oh, how wow. you always make sure you get something handled. You do an internal investigation. Yeah. Because yes. then you handle the investigation. 
than just you investigating yourself. This o- one. OJ Simpson, it's worked great for him. Oh, yeah. This one. Backfire. Mm. Oh. This, investiga- this investigator was given full access to the Skakel brothers. It's like a movie. It's like a Joaquin Phoenix movie. Yeah. By the way, the Greenwich police never were able to talk to the Skakel brothers. The lawyers kept them far away, even though the murder weapon provably came from the Skakel home. Right. Upon investigation, it was discovered that Michael Skakel, the future Elon School student, he used to sit outside of Martha Moxley's window and masturbate in a tree. Like it was a not acceptable anymore 80s movie. So you should never done me. it though. I feel like it was never good. Yeah. No, it's not even, that's not even what the, no, it was, it was, you hold a, a, a boom box. You play <laughs> songs. <laughs> I mean, even in Animal House, he didn't jerk off. He was on a ladder. I guess yeah, the but no, part, you never, you never got the joke. Did that he got a boner? Yeah. And that's why he felt, he's pollution didn't have it's, that big it, it, <laughs> I also find it like, if you're masturbating a tree, at least a good way to get rid of it is that you could just give it to one of the little baby birds. <laughs> you are disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. Take it. Take all of yeah. it. But also, that wouldn't even hold true to that because his hands were, first of all, they were placed on top of the ladder, Belushi, that is uh-huh. an animal house. And so he got hard, but he never actually went down and did the deed. Mm. Yeah, he didn't masturbate openly on not. film. Yeah. I mean, there were some issues in the film. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, it's still a, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael's alibi for the murder was that he was at his cousin's place watching a Monty Python movie. Yeah. Don't bring Monty Python into this. But once the investigation was complete, it was concluded, much to Rushton Skakel's chagrin, that Michael Skakel had murdered Martha Moxley, and Tommy Skakel helped him move the body. That's got to be a rough family meeting, sitting there with the two private investigators, and they're like, your son's a murderer, and they're both like... And he's like, well, what's to be done with him? I guess I'll, we'll put him into soccer. <laughs> oh, no, it's a fate worse than prison. This was surmised in 1991. This was like almost 20 years after the murder actually happened. Listen, Mr. Private Investigator, we did not hire you to solve this crime. <laughs> Didn't you understand the point of you? Believe me, I tried to not solve this crime. <laughs> Way back in the mid-70s, the Skakels suffered no consequences. But soon after the murder, Michael Skakel was sent to the Elan School because he, not surprisingly, had a pretty intense problem with drugs and alcohol. And masturbating at people's windows and murder. That was also a problem. It was an issue. It seems like the bigger problem. The Skakel didn't take to Elan. And after attempting an escape, he was punished by being made to alternate between sitting and standing for an hour at a time each, sit for an hour, stand for an hour, Made to do that for three days straight without sleep. I kind of like this, though. I mean, for but him, sure. Yeah, that's like the one that's guy t- that I wanted to have it happen to. But that's a typical lawn school punishment. A lot of kids had to do that. Yeah. Then, somehow, Joe Ritchie found out about the Martha Moxley murder. So, in a general meeting, Joe told everyone that Skakel had killed a girl in Greenwich. I, someone must have told him. Somebody must have said they something. They had to Somebody have. just, they must have sent it as a part of his bio when he when they dropped him off. They might yeah, have. Did they do something like that? Like what Scientology does? Do they do a, like, like they audit? Do, yeah, yeah like an audit. It starts with this induction meeting. You go, they tell you kind of like, basically, you show up, you get screamed at. Then you go to this, like, first meeting where they kind of explain to you halfway the rules about how... You need to do all this shit. We're going to punish you. Yeah. But then they, they, what happens is that you get attached to that big brother, right? You have that person that's walking through the program, and they're pumping you, acting like they're, like, commiserating with right. you and getting and to know you. Get you. Yeah, and then that's they get all the compromise. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. 
Well, Richie had a file folder an inch thick that was supposedly full of evidence. He's waving around. Here's the proof. Here's I need to the start proof. doing that in the office more. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just open it up. It's just yeah. a bunch of menus. Yeah, yeah we know. <laughs> and the students were told to break Skakel down until he copped to the murder. And after the screaming and slamming and spitting that always happened during general meetings didn't do the trick, Skakel was forced into the aforementioned ring. After eight rounds of never-ending boxing opponents, Skakel kind of admitted to the murder by saying, I don't know, when asked if he killed Martha Moxley. According to my little police interrogation videos, that's how you know you got him. Yeah. Oh, is that Once right? you start moving the needle. All you got to do is add a two-letter word, if. All you have to do is talk to a man in an enclosed room for 12 hours, and then oh, eventually yeah. they will just fold. Yeah. That seems to be mostly, unless they're a true psychopath. Just don't Or do just it. call a lawyer. Call a lawyer. Call a fucking lawyer. Say nothing, especially if you're innocent. Well, after that, Joe Very Ritchie nice. institution. No, it's. I, that's I mean, if you're guilty, you could also here. just admit. Just call. If you a are guilty, you could save me the tax dollars. That would be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I don't have to pay for the public, the private. Um, It'll be easier. Out. Get less time. Yeah, if you're not guilty, I should be allowed to visit one prison cell a day and ask them to sing me a song, <laughs> right, for the tax money. You get that? Yeah, right. Right. yeah. yeah. And it's I could help. Gonna, that actually might help. Yeah. It might. Yeah. I would love to see who would be singing after an hour of you in a jail cell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me just getting fucking railed. Yeah. Well, after the half confession, Joe Ritchie instituted long-term punishment. Skakel was, quote, shot down, meaning he was stripped of all privileges, he had his shoes taken away, and he was forced to scrub floors and trash bins day and night. I will say this, Mr. Parks. It does remind me of a punishment that you have given before. Well, okay. So Butterball was a bong, and Butterball fell know. on the ground. You took the man's and shoes. And you took the man's shoes and made him walk home barefoot at night. Very I interesting indeed. I regret taking the man's shoes. I was actually thinking about this a couple of days ago. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been reflecting lately. You know, I turned, I turned 40, so you know you want to reflect upon your life a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to. And I, I'm not and looking I thought, back. And it was one of those things like... Shouldn't have taken that guy's shoes. Really? I, butterball, uh, you did like Butterball the bong. I did. It was. I mean, it was the best bong that ever existed in the history of man. Did he ever fucking break another bong? I don't know. He we never. Know. He didn't return for his shoes. No, he never came back. Sure. I, told he him, I told him he could come back tomorrow. Yeah. I told him, you can he come back tomorrow him. and get you, your you, shoes. You maybe, gave him the opportunity. Maybe he stepped on a needle and got hepatitis and died. We just don't know. He might have. That's what I feel bad about. He had to take the train home with no shoes. That's kind of on him. He might still be homeless. <laughs> That was just the first little, the first chunk. But I, yeah, I feel bad about taking that guy's shoes. If you're wearing a million dollar suit, but you have no shoes, people are like, you poor guy. Yeah. Or sometimes you're a super holistic fucking billionaire. Yeah. Could be. Well, for weeks, Michael Skakel was also forced to wear a sign that said, confront me on why I killed Martha Moxley. Hey. <laughs> That's a great, can someone make that t-shirt? Oh, oh, God. <laughs> and in a lawn school tradition, he was forced to read the sign aloud before every meal. Like everyone who wore a sign, like the uh, the person who had like, I am an emo- help, I'm an emotionally yeah. unstable monster. They'd have to stand up and say that before every single meal and they'd all go around and read their signs and then everyone could eat okay and additionally students were encouraged to constantly confront students like michael who wore signs and one student allegedly asked skakel how does it feel to beat a girl to death with a golf club hyper specific oh mm-hmm. yeah no they got a lot of information it seems yeah. uh someone i feel like somebody in the family told what was going yeah. on and yeah. what did he say well, yeah he just went uh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but Skakel was eventually released from the Elan School and was returned to the world of the wealthy. I'm sure he's totally well-adjusted now. He spent decades free until several investigations, including one conducted by Mark Furman. Ooh, yeah, that guy. Uh, he's an actor. 
<laughs> Does he? He doesn't have a because it's the guy that it was the O.J. Simpson. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. He's an actor now. No, that's no, what he said, what he said. regarding oh, the testimony yeah, when yes. he was All the acting like an LAPD officer. That's what. Well, it's just a character I play yeah. acting. Well, they gathered enough evidence for an arrest and a trial. Like, he actually went what on trial for this 2001. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the story of what most likely happened to Martha Moxley was finally revealed. On the night of the murder, the Skakels had a new 23-year-old tutor named Ken Littleton. It was his first night, but instead of tooting, he got blackout drunk with the Skakel brothers. Tooting is the verb form of tutors. Yes. No, I do know that, but maybe he was tooting some so- uh, some cocaine. Uh, maybe, probably, probably yeah. yeah. Now, Ken was absolutely a suspect, and he was interrogated again and again, but he was never arrested or charged, even though, according to the Skakel family, Ken Littleton is the real killer. Okay, so that's that's kind of how they did it, right? That's how they they kind of rationalized it amongst themselves. It seems like a perfect scapegoat. Well, they had a private investigator that says, "Uh, your son killed it. And they'd be like, what if it was a guy standing next to my son? (laughs) Yeah. Live from your grave. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs. And it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there, and it's going to thrive, and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. 
And this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Now, Michael Skakel was sent to the Elan School after the murder because of his drinking and drug use, as we said. Actually, it was about two years after the murder that he okay. got sent. But according to various students who testified at the trial, Michael didn't mind talking about the murder. Both Michael Skakel and a fellow student named John Higgins, they were night owls. Night owls, that's Elan School sl- slang for guards that kept watch over other students at night mm. to keep them from running away. The okay. one that would flash a light on them every hour to make sure that they were in bed and asleep. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, that's not going to wake them up or anything. That's the whole be point really was nice. to like yeah. do that, and then you'd wake up, and then you'd break the rules, and you get a general meeting. Right. Well, on night owl duty, Higgins said that Skakel admitted to the murder of Martha Moxley in a roundabout sort of way. Specifically, Skakel said that he remembered getting drunk and remembered Remember taking the golf club with him to run in the woods, which is weird. Yeah, of it's course. Weird, it's everyone, a weird thing to do. everyone does that. That's what I do. Everyone knows that. But Skakel said that he blacked out soon after entering the woods and therefore had no memory of the murder itself. Technically, this sounds very similar to what Tiger Woods said to, to absolve himself of his many affairs. Uh, Tiger, I was oh just in the woods goodness. with Lee <laughs> Club. Leave Tiger alone. Another Elan student named Gregory Coleman, who was an inmate at a prison in Rochester, New York at the time of the trial. Elan school didn't really work for him. <laughs> he also had some— Or maybe it institutionalized him, and he's like, this is actually a step up. It's great. It might. I, he also had some things to say about Skakel. Coleman claimed that Skakel openly said that he got away with murder because he was a Kennedy, or close enough where it didn't make a difference. I mean, he was right. I hate these assholes so much. Furthermore, Coleman also said that Skakel gr- bragged about using a golf pun. He said he drove her skull. You get it? Driver? Drive the uh, skull? I oh. got it. Yeah, did he putt, putt yeah. her nose? Well, yeah, what a putts. <laughs> wow. Uh, he said because Martha refused his advances. Mm. And when her body was found, her pants were pulled down, oh. but there was no evidence of rape. But Skakel also allegedly said that he masturbated on Moxley's corpse. That's not and, a brag. But that's the thing is that this is why I don't really believe Gregory Coleman because, you know, he said it happened in a blackout. I don't think a teenager in a full blackout is going to masturbate on the corpse and then and, clean up the corpse where there's absolutely no evidence of any sort of semen or anything yeah, like that. Unless like, he wasn't blacked out. Yeah. I think that he wasn't blacked out and he did it all on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, even Joe Ritchie ended up testifying as far as Skakel's confessions went. But on the other side of Elan testimonies, students testified that the atmosphere at Elan was so horrific that kids could be coerced into saying anything. Absolutely true. That's Absolutely completely anything. true. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's also a little bit of a nihilistic edge. I believe that he did confess truly, but there's also a little bit of being like, yeah, I fucking killed her. Like, because people have told you and you've been around this dead girl and you're a Kennedy, so you think that you're above everything as it is. And so in a weird converse way, you you then adopt it to mm-hmm. be like more like, I don't know, like it's why people do false confessions in prison all the time. And so you, if you're already there, if you're already fucked up, yeah. you're in this scenario, it makes you appear to be more of a badass yeah. quote-unquote to these people it's very then, bizarre so, but i that's the thing otherwise i think it's fully premeditated yeah yeah it's like that most recent story of that chick who wanted to get some club and be like mom was a serial killer with my dad and it's like no you weren't why the hell would you lie about that because yeah. they just it's it's very weird. weird we're gonna do a whole series on false confessions it's yeah. very bizarre you think this murder was premeditated i think that uh it 
He had a golf club with him in the woods. Yeah. And so I think that there was a coercion with this girl and he brought her out there. Maybe uh, God knows like how the how it led to blah, blah, blah. But then I think that he just straight up. She said no. And he beat her to death with the golf club. It's like he uh, what is that movie? Not the strangers. Because he brought uh, the golf club from home. They brought a, like, oh, that's yeah, the thing. Did. That's the difference. It'd be different if there was like a, uh, oh, the you know, woods this is real, behind his house. You no, know, no. Well, they were close. They were like a next door neighbors. They were like woods in between. But still, oh, okay. you don't bring the, there's no reason to bring the golf club. If you're you going to, to beat a squirrel to death. If yeah. it was a, a crime, but I, this hmm. is like gross, but if it was a crime of passion, he would have used something that was around yeah. him in his environment. Yeah, he would have used, used a, a stump or like a rock or something, but because he brought something, that to me makes it premature. Yeah, it's funny games right that's yeah. with the rich kids who break into that house the yeah twins. they play the games yeah yeah, yeah. It's scary now in the end Skakel was found guilty he found was found guilty of murdering martha moxley 27 years after the murder he spent 11 years in prison but he eventually won an appeal in 2013 due in part to the efforts of his cousin famed anti-vaxxer and all-around disappointment RFK Jr. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this still, is just my voice. My love. My strong DNA. Yeah, I hate that dude. Is he's so, a fucking piece of shit. Everyone hates RFK. He still thinks he's, Sirhan Sirhan's innocent. He he's fighting so, for his release. Whatever. Whatever. Oh. God, he's such a disappointment. What created those broken? They're all weak. I would That's imagine years the, of incest. I would imagine the explosion of um, the uh, John F. Kennedy's head. Uh, and you yeah, know. even JFK was weak. His body well, was. Well, he got hurt in a war. Decom- he was he decomposing. He was weak. He was a veteran. He, he was got a veteran. hurt in a decompose- war. Oh, hurt in a war. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Uh, he was a wounded warrior, Ben. He was. I, I am not. He was a hero. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got against Kennedy? Yeah, John F. Kennedy John was the F. one Kennedy? like vaguely yeah, good one. We did our entire bit at the Nashville show about the president's. There's only been four presidents assassinated, and that's too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was. I said I like my presidents with brains we, in their head. Yeah, no, I think it's very. <laughs> he was. Good he point. was very bad. Marilyn, Mary, he used to taunt yeah, Marilyn, run her all he around. Was like a a bad, horrible person. A bad person. Yeah. yeah. That's what I have against him. <laughs> what do you mean? What do I have against I'm that? I'm pro Kennedy, but I'm saying that yes, I think that there was this was an issue. His head just exploding randomly the way yeah. that it did because we know for a fact nobody shot Kennedy. Yeah, you know, right? did that. Yeah, it so, was suicide. I say that also. They tried to put the top up, but it kept on in the back yeah. of his head. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they had to put the top down. Yeah. Anyway, these jokes are great. In 1963, yes. <laughs> 1964, whatever. 63, but you know, it was the end of 63, so they would have continued. You would take into January, Michael. <laughs> Oh, that's some awesome material on JFK in 64. Well, Michael Skakel was released. And as of October 2020, no plans to retry him. He's out. He's well, done. It's over. Yeah, I wonder. It was very bizarre that Jackie. I wonder who his booker is. Yeah, well, we'll get him. He and Hinkley are going to start performing together. Uh, the Jackie O's first words after JFK got shot were, Soup's on. <laughs> that's good. Wow. Bridge too far, my friend. No, that's not a bridge too far. How is it a bridge too far? I just, you know. I think, it was 90 years ago. It was a long no, time. No, I'm not. I'm not saying a bridge too far is in like it's offensive. Soup it's is a bridge too far is just like it's, it's just, just not like, a fantastic. It's not good. Yeah, it's no, like, I know yeah. it's not. Uneaten carrots. <laughs> yes, go back. Half-eaten that carrots. was the beginning of this good. whole That's thing where we one. were all on the same page. <sighs> God. Now, Skakel's trial brought quite a bit of negative attention to the Elan school, especially after witness Gregory Coleman admitted that he once spanked a girl so much that she urinated and defecated all over herself. Jesus Christ. But what put the final nail in the coffin for the Elan school? The internet. Yep. 
As more people got access to message boards and the like, stories from Elan School survivors began to circulate and get attention, and enrollment dropped further. In fact, one of the earliest mm. subreddits back in 2005 when Reddit was founded, it was dedicated to Elan School survivors. Because they were being told for years Good. that they were nuts. Yeah. And that the, everything happened to them didn't happen to them, and they were a part of some great thing. And they like it took a generation of people to kind of wake up and understand, like, oh, we were abused by an entire industry yeah. that was behind it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reddit did good work here. Yeah. And by 2010, dozens of forums were run by those same people. They organized petitions and they had people call representatives demanding that Elan be shut down. But of course, it wasn't the government that shut down the school. Rather, the Elan school shut its doors itself in... 2011. Yeah, bro. Wow. Despite the fact that Maine had renewed Elon's accreditation until 2014. So you're telling me Elon schools shut down three years after we ended racism <laughs> with the election of Barack Obama? <laughs> wow. That is that is honestly, that's disheartening in some ways. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's 2011. 2011. Good God. But Joe Ritchie wasn't around to see the end of his beloved hellhole. He'd already died of lung cancer 10 years earlier in 2001 as a multimillionaire, a self-made martyr who never faced a single meaningful consequence for his actions or for his part in helping to create the troubled teen industry. And would you fucking believe I get up to heaven and say, Peter's like, just too fucking Italian to be saved? Too Italian. And I was like, what is even? Are Barry Clouds mostly gnocchi? <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah, you can just see him being sad he missed 9 11. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted to be there. One day. That was the one day I wanted to be alive. See, Elon technically never violated any laws. Because he was all legal. It's almost like laws don't mean morality. There's a difference between legal and right. Yeah. And they never ran afoul of investigators in Maine, even though other states did stop sending their schools in after their own investigations. It was either Indiana or Illinois. Probably was, Illinois, let's be fair here. It was probably uh, them uh, saving their own ass. Yeah. Well, they just yeah. saw that it was horrific. Horrible. They're like, you can't send kids there. The only reasons why Elon shut down was because of public pressure and because it wasn't making good money anymore. And these places still exist all over the country. In fact, the Agape School that mm -hmm. we mentioned in the first episode when talking about teen escort companies, it is officially and voluntarily closing its doors tomorrow. Tomorrow! Yeah, January, January 20th, 2023. And isn't that a nice birthday gift to you? It, See, they did it for nice? you. Wow. He could have used the gift or some money. Yes. <laughs> um, so far, Marcus's gifts have been David Crosby's David Crosby body, dying. Which is very sad. <laughs> yeah, very sad. And this school's closing down. Yeah, that's so nice. one for the other. And then um, there's a bunch more. There's Tobin World, which was investigated and it was condemned by the United Nations for torture of its students. That was closed. That was in Glendale here in California. That was in 2019 when that was wow. closed. It was condemned by the United Nations. Said that it was a center of torture for children. They oh kept it open because it was a private venture and all you have to do is sign a waiver and let the kids go. God. There was Judge Rotenberg Educational Center, which I brought up, which is still fucking open. It is to this day. It was changed. So it used to be called the BRI, the Behavior Research Institute of California. It was made in the guy. Again, this was used to specifically break down the child machine to be something else. And they would do they would take away your food. They would zap you. They would yeah. um, beat you. They would, And then the restraints, which we're also going to find is a big thing that's still open. And they changed the name 
became Judge Rotenberg. They changed it because Judge Rotenberg was the guy that went to bat for them to keep them open yeah. because basically he had kids in the program. What a stuff. piece. So he was sending kids to the program as a yes. kickback program. Yes. Oh, no. The kickback. This entire industry is it's all kickbacks. It's all, it's Disgusting. all kickbacks. Yeah. Oh, all ki- yeah. Kickbacks and campaign contributions. That's the whole fucking thing. And in fact, that them changing the name, that was a very, it still is a very common tactic amongst uh, the troubled teen industry. Right. They get into trouble. They just change the name. They don't even have to move. Boom. They just change the name. and It's like fucking synthetic marijuana. You change one fucking ingredient mm. and spice is suddenly legal again. Now yeah. it's just back to it. There's the Senecor Foundation, another group that as I believe was closed in, was this 2000, 2010s? Uh, nope, still open. The Senecor, same thing. So the same shit. Senecor. It is a, a rehabilitation program that also does like, a wilderness shit as well. You also have Sea-Doo, which yeah. is what Paris Hilton was a part of. Sea-Doo yeah. is a mini spider-legged version of it. And that also continues to be open and send kids from one level to the next. So that starts at this sort of like low-level version of rehabilitation. And then you go into the wilderness program where you're really fucked. So yeah. this stuff is... Is is still very much an active part yeah. of the American system. Like and we it, have a lot of these, and kids are dying each year. More kids have died in yeah. 2011 to 20 to now than in the first three decades of wow. the troubled teen industry. I would say more kids have been reported to have died. Yes, yeah. yes, and these kids are all like, and they're all died. The same thing. It's restraint. It's this thing where they're like, they put them in a prone position. It's a lot of what we're seeing with police brutality. It's like Eric Garner. It's yes. that type of murder. Mm-hmm. They tie someone's hands behind their back. They put them face down on the ground and they kneel on them or they hold their hands down and they, they quote unquote, that's supposed to be a human, a humane way to restrain somebody. But a lot a lot of times if you're on some form of, of psychotropic drug trying to handle your mental illness when you're in that position it can actually make it very easy for you to throw up so a lot of times you are throwing up and then you're kind of you're choking in your own vomit in this position and it's just it's still just so prevalent yeah and yeah. it's really disgusting the way they named that institution after Jim Morrison I yeah, it is sad really Jim old. Morrison didn't choke on his own vomit you're alright that's Jimmy very Hendrix. that's very de- depressing the way they named that institution after Jimi Hendrix or River Phoenix <laughs> well, just, or, or guess, Edgar Allan Poe that's a pro- uh, that is a professional, or, the joke bombs just switches around. Just what's the name, name, what's the name of somebody else who, who vomited on their own? Chris Farley, maybe he would have died of the overdose, but he also puked in his own mouth. I he was know. up, his face up when he died. Yeah, yeah. that's how you choke. I no, but this is how these guys face down, face mush in the ground. Mm-hmm. You can you can die a whole series of ways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are dozens more still operating. Utah and Texas are two very big states Jesus. for these fucking places. The seed is still around, too. A yes. New York Times article released just three months ago featured testimony from half a dozen kids who have been treated in the exact ways we've described and worse. Because now it's starting mm. to really pop into the transgender community. Mm. There are a lot of people sending transgender kids to these fucking places to shock and beat it out. I mean, it's, it's so it's fucking, fucked. It's human rights abuse is one on one. Oh, it's yeah. We've been talking about that on top Hat. It's coming from the legislative branch now. It is just absolutely disgusting. Now, in 2007, Congress decided to investigate the troubled teen industry because of so many reports of abuse and because of all the deaths. There's a lot of deaths. Yeah. I mean, like three kids have died in troubled teen facilities since 2016. The last was just a couple years ago in 2020. It was I'm one looking of the, at this huge. Jazz list. Yeah. But predictably, Congress concluded that it was impossible to determine the true extent of the industry's problems because of inconsistent regulation and reporting. Those are features, though. Those, Those are, are not bugs mm. of the troubled teen system. Too big to fail. They gave it it's the too big to fail thing. Who where it's could like, well, what are we going to do? The thing is, you go into these places, these kids are screaming, and it's like, I can't even think straight. 
Yeah, it's too confusing to prosecute. Basically, they're just—they're yeah. basically throwing up their hands and saying like, "Ugh, God, I don't want to do it." I don't you do, do it. It's it. So hard, right. so hard. It is hard. And uh, legislation to reform the troubled teen industry failed repeatedly. Even though, and this might—I wouldn't say even though. I'd say probably because of the fact that millions in public funds, taxpayer money, yeah. uh, goes to fund these monstrosities. So we're all complicit. Yay! It's like they cultivized all of us. Yeah. yeah. But, but things might be changing, if ever so slowly. Of all people, fucking Paris Hilton. Dude, she's a different person than who she portrayed herself she on television. She very much is. She is a very, she's kind of like a, she's intense. She's yeah. got, she would like, she's adopt us and then not take care of them. Well, it's different. It's if She was a poor dog owner in her past. Okay. Yeah. Well, she was a survivor of the Sidhu School, and her and other patient-turned-activists have lobbied Congress to pass tougher regulations, and these efforts have actually been met with some success on the state level. In 2021, Utah, perhaps the state with the most active troubled teen institutions, as far as I can tell, mm -hmm. they passed legislation limiting restraint and seclusion, while also increasing funding for abuse investigations. So that's something. Yeah. It is something. It I is. mean, it's a little bit like baked Doritos. Yeah, but— You know, it's slightly healthier. <laughs> But if you eat a whole bag, you're still going to get obese. It's yeah. just getting you there. It's yeah. like, again, yeah, in this good. country, to, in order for us to erase the generations of violence that we allow to happen due to money, like sometimes it just takes a second for them to be like, but are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure we want it? But listen, before, like, I know we've wasted, like, are you sure? Like, they want to do it. And then yeah. they're like, you slowly roll it back. Like, eventually they will realize that drugs are won the war. Yeah. And like, of course, we yeah. support Paris Hilton in this effort. She can have her D Snyder moment. She's going for the Congress. That'd be great. It'd be awesome. I'd love to see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Oregon and California, children that were previously sent to out-of-state facilities, uh, they were taken back. Kids from the welfare system. Oregon and California were just sending these fucking kids out like foster kids out to these places. Oh, man. And that at least puts the smallest financial pressure on the industry to tamp it down a little bit. Yeah. Because California especially uh, is a, a pretty big market, although California yeah. can just send it in-state. Yeah. I don't think we built a new school here in a long time like universities, but prisons are popping up all over the place. Mm -hmm. So while the troubled teen industry will seemingly always have a place in American society, we can all do our part to make that place smaller. As is evidence, the only thing that works to get these places shut down is public pressure, which hits them in the only place they care about, their wallet. So spread the word. These places mm -hmm. don't work, they never have worked, and they never will work. It is a travesty that they still exist anywhere. Mm -hmm. And the more we talk about it, the less of a chance there'll be that the next generation gets sent. And if no one gets sent, then these places will eventually choke out and they'll die the death that they all deserve. Yay! There you go. I completely agree. Me Thank too. you all so much for listening to our series on the troubled teen industry. They've done nothing but create chaos and ruin ruin lives and uh, it makes for unhealthy it makes for an unhealthy society kids really? need to be reached the way it always needed to has always been done through candy. a singular rap done by a white woman teacher <laughs> at a talent show that is the yes. only way to reach only these way. kids only way to, I, I agree understand. I yes. get it yeah no no I agree yeah. I agree but I what agree. a story so you want to tell people all over because we have like many sources there was many many sources in this whole this whole saga definitely all right. Well, our source on Joe Ritchie is a, a book called Duck in a Raincoat. 
by Maura Carley. This is the cutest name ever for a horrific story. <laughs> I, I want actually, a duck in a raincoat. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we had, you know, like the rise and fall of Synanon, help at any cost. Uh, those were both invaluable resources for the last couple of episodes. We also used a lot of articles. Uh, we used Suffer the Little Children by mm. Suzuki Nathi. Uh, we used Ex-Students Describe Elon School by David Gorliaki via Portland Press Herald. We used His Family Asks What Really Happened at a Lawn School by Catherine Skelton and Lindsay Tice. We had The Day Officer Smiley Helped a Boy Escape a Lawn School, by, also by Catherine Skelton and mm-hmm. Lindsay Tice. We have Trial of Guilt by Dominique Dunn. Dominique Dunn, he was also greatly involved in the O.J. Simpson trial. He's the yeah. father of um, the actress who was murdered by her boyfriend. Yes! Oh. From uh, Poltergeist. From the girl from Poltergeist. Yeah, oh, he, he's wow. her father. Oh, my goodness. Um, and that's that's what we have, yeah. Damn, yeah. Ooh. But no, we we went in deep. Next week we're probably gonna get we're gonna get a little bit silly before we get serious. Not serious, not too serious. Not too serious. But the next well, the next big series we're gonna do is a long weighted update, and I'm very very excited because we're coming for them again. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I don't want to blow the cover, guys, but it's all gonna be on the Burger King. Kids Club. Do you guys remember? <laughs> what have they been up to? I heard and the kid, what did they do? You know what was the worst thing is that I heard the kid in the wheelchair could fucking walk. Wow. Yep. That yep. Fucking fucked up. Yep. Think Wasn't about there, that. And there was a that? character Who's named Q. Wasn't the guy with the glasses called Q? Well, this is why we're going to get into it. Yeah, finally. We're <laughs> going to name, no. we're going to figure out no. all their names no. over an hour and a half long episode. Well, they named the guy that you were referencing Wheels. Yes, Wheels. yes. Yeah. It was simple. It yeah. was simple. A little on the nose there. Well, we're going to do a big update on a previous series, but we're also, before that, we're going to do a FUD history series that I can't wait for. It's Wilder's Life for Me. Yeah, it's you're going to like. Wilder's Life for Me. Hope you like Hooks. <laughs> I love the Hooks. Oh, we should cover the invention of the silly. Buddy. Okay. Well, thank you all so much for listening. <laughs> thank you, guys. Make sure you check out Wizbrew and Page 7 at the Release the Butthole Cut. They're in Dallas, yes. Texas at the Addison Improv January 25th. And they are at the at Emos in Austin, Texas on January 27th. Nice. Go and check them out. Take a gander. Um, wish, wish Marcus a happy 40th. Thank yes, you. Yes, indeed. Um, and to all the survivors out there, um, keep on think, doing your best and hang in there. And uh, congratulations on all your progress. And uh, this shit, never uh, you never deserved it in the goddamn first place. You never literally, I feel like that's really important. You never deserved it. It was never your fault. You shouldn't have been there. Nope. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Magustalation. Hail me. If I was king of the world, I'd free every child. Oh, I, I free every child. It's actually quite scary. Free, every, yeah, I free, every, free every child. child to do what? I free Let's just to end that. We're just going to end that. Every child should be an angel. Yeah. That's the only way they freeze. Okay. Great. Sure. Let's just <laughs> cut it. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons. All hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. 
your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency creates personalized anti-aging formulas that smooth fine lines, lighten dark spots, and improve the appearance of dark circles. Each formula is tailored to you and prescribed by a licensed dermatology provider. Formulas are customized with clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than retinol. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. 